I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode number 71. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. We are so excited to be talking all things that we are watching this week with all of you here on this podcast. But before we get into any of that, as we always do, we have a few housekeeping notes that we are going to get out of the way first. The first being that wherever you are currently listening to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, if you take the time right now and go leave a rating and a review or afterwards once you finish listening but at any point just leave that rating and a review because it's so vital um, for us in the sense that it gives us much necessary feedback from all of you our great listeners and also it helps us get into the algorithm and get seen by more and more people so we're always so thankful whenever you leave that rating and a review uh, you can also follow us on social media uh, Twitter Facebook Instagram TikTok and threads all at a gay and it's NB where we're posting new content every day including clips from the podcast as well as some of our live thoughts on things that we're watching as they happen. Um, it's great stuff all over there at A Gay and His NB across social media platforms. Uh, you can also rep us over at agayandhisnb.threadless.com. You can buy a variety of different designs on a variety of different merchandise, including T-shirts and stickers and mugs and just about anything in between. There's a lot of great variety over there. And, you know, it's the week of Christmas. You know, holidays are right around the corner. If you need a last-minute gift, go visit again. It's NB threadless.com and pick up something today. Um, and finally, if you have any questions for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, you can send that to us across our social media platforms or at again is nb at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to include your name, your question, and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast. Babe, what do we have in store? This is a jam-packed episode. It really is. Um, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um, first, we're going to be talking the first three episodes of season five. I mean, season four of Ultimate Girls Trip. <laughs> four, five. <laughs> it's uh, five, four, 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 five, four, four. Rony Legacy. Uh, so they released the first three episodes last week on Thursday. So we'll be talking about those first three episodes. And honestly, I'm so excited. Kristen Takeman. Kristen Takeman. Fucking like, we, there's a there's a lot of great Kelly Ben Simone. Like we get the, the idea that we get to talk about Kelly Ben Simone finally on this podcast is like crazy. Uh, wild, <laughs> wild. Um, uh, we're also going to be talking about um the last half of the season, the post merge half of the season of Survivor forty five. Um, lots of uh, amazing gameplay that went on there this season. Um, congratulations to our winner, which we will be talking about later. Um, yeah, all of that. We're also going to be talking about Married to Medicine. Holy crap. Yeah, we got a lot to say both from this episode and I think beyond as well. We'll probably get into the discussion because it's been continuing. This has been uh -huh. like, it's gotten messy in this last week in the Married to Medicine world. Very much so. Um, but before we get to any of that, in honor of the Christmas season... It's time to talk about Ho Ho Hoville. Oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I was like, where are you going with that? No, <laughs> that works. Uh, House of Villains for this week. The penultimate episode next week is the finale. I'm still slightly puzzled of how this finale is working because we're going to be, I mean, it's a five-person finale, which is like, again, like maybe it is going to be like a final, like, 
I think they're just going to give them all butcher knives and go at it. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that to me is the best way to do it. But you, I mean, we talked about it, like the idea of like it being a show more about like who is the best villain. And we'll get, we'll talk to, we'll have a discussion because we were kind of disagreeing after this episode about like who may have come out of this season as the top villain. We'll get into it. But like, yeah, like I, I, I'm fascinated to see how this goes. And it was, you know, it was interesting to see how this episode progressed um, and sort of moved on. I will say I was missing Bobby to a certain extent. Yeah. Like there was definitely a lightness that was gone in certain ways. There a were, lightness. Sure. There were moments, don't get me wrong. Like I feel, I still think Tanisha's great and like had some really funny stuff. I think it was a lot of like sort of. I don't know. You need a little gay. You need a little like. Well, but nobody else has that high energy either. Everybody else is more laid back and chill in their villainry. Yeah. And even if Tanisha can sometimes, you know, like amp it up, it's still not that um, frantic energy that sure. that Bobby had. Um, so it, it's, it's a very different vibe. Yeah. Um, we come in the next morning, uh, it's after Bobby's elimination. And so bananas is already <laughs> this whole fucking like clearly like st- structured scene, like th- the stuff where it's like clearly like the producers would be like, okay, we're going to do this where ba- bananas like gets a car for Bob to put Bobby's doll in to take it on Rodeo drive. It's like one last, uh, uh, <laughs> What what is it? Retail therapy for you? You know, it's what you what... I just yeeted him out the car window. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we'll we'll get to it. I'm also curious with this finale. I feel like there's something that has to do with the dolls. Has to be, and there's something that has to do with this. We'll we'll get to another like reoccurring thing for that, towards the end, which I was like, this has to mean something. It has to. I don't know if it's like a. Uh, like a Dracula thing where it's like all the dolls that we've like killed are like going to come back to life essentially. It like felt like maybe with the preview for next week felt like maybe it was going to do something like that. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just, I still don't know. Um, but then Eva uh, on the loudspeaker tells them that they're going to have a ball with this battle Royal challenge and they all head out to the front of the house for Joel to introduce it. Um, basically Joel also breaks down that the way this week is factoring in because they're changing it to where the winner of this will still be the super villain of the week. But instead of nominating three people, they will nominate two people for uh, banishment and then a vote will then happen shortly after. And so basically there's no redemption challenge here. Right. So, which I guess, I mean, makes sense with the format. Cause once you get down to a certain number, it's like, there's not a lot of mm-hmm. options to like put three people up, you know? Right. Um, so, <laughs> I love Joel. All that remains is a cold, uh, uh, cold hearted democratic vote. And those always work out great. <laughs> if you don't believe me, read Amorosa's book and uh, Amorosa goes unhinged available on Amazon. And they do the full, I'm like, really the product placement. Okay. Um, so the challenge is called blow by blow. And essentially they all are given, uh, leaf blowers that they, are then going to go into the house and the house is filled with these like different colored bouncy balls that they have to use their leaf blowers to get into these goals. Um, the person with the most points essentially wins. You can block people, but only by using your leaf blower to sort of blow them out of, out of the way essentially. And then also the twist is at the top of the stairs, there's an F U um, hole, mm-hmm. which yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. Um, where if you get uh, an opponent's ball in that hole, then that person is completely out of the game. And it's whoever gets the most points in 25 minutes. Um, So, okay. 
I I want to know your thoughts too about this because this is when the stuff starts to like everyone's set up. They have their headbands on. They have their lawnmowers. And Joel's like, Amorosa, what's going on? And Amorosa goes, So the show's medic has made the decision for me not to participate, <laughs> and, and so I will not be participating. I will not. I'm. I found this hilarious, just like I found it hilarious with the whole uh-huh. overdoing the the medical stuff uh-huh. like in the last couple episodes. And then also like the fact that they then cut to the confessional where the med, the on-staff medic is there and the producer has to be like, so like Amorosa said on camera that the medic told her that she cannot compete. And he's like, I never said that. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not a doctor. Like I literally can't tell them you can't do this. So like whatever. Also it's a leaf. Like what's the physical nature of the challenge? I think Amfisa was literally like, you have two hands. Right. So like what? Um, I, I thought it was hilarious. I am still baffled on what her strategy was by doing this. It, it was, it, yeah. Cause they keep making the, well, she, the fact that shake even understood it. Like the idea that like, this is the final, essentially the final challenge. You, you like you, you don't have the risk necessarily of like backstabbing anyone. So you want to win this, you want to win this super villain right. role more than anything. And then also like throughout the season, Almarosa, we've seen moments where she like throws challenges because she doesn't want it, the target to be too much on her back. She wants to like pick and choose when she decides to win things. And I'm like, well, this is your opportunity to win it. And you're just sitting out for, yeah, I don't understand. And also when you don't have the numbers, you just lost a major number in Bobby to where the house is currently like a 4-2 or at the very least like a 3-2 with fair play in the middle. Right. Well, she decided it wasn't worth her effort anymore. That, I, was she it, gave up. Was it just that she was over the show? I think so. Like, that's weird. I don't know. Did you see that there was some rumor going out that the reason like Bobby like put himself up was that he had another gig that he was like going to like another show he was going to be on. That so, doesn't surprise me. So he wanted to just be like, peace out. Well, he has that uterus waiting for him in Turkey. Yeah. It's on ice. <laughs> yeah. I, I was so baffled. And I was also like, I didn't, they, I was so confused with the execution of this challenge. I was like bananas and Tanisha had like the same colored headbands they said on the like when they did like the graphics it was like a dark blue and a light blue but you couldn't really tell what the balls maybe it was more obvious in person maybe and it just didn't read on camera yeah it was really confusing like in in terms of that it was and also it's like if Amaros is sitting out was there a color miss it didn't seem like there was a color missing in the lineup right, right? there's there's literally six distinct colors in the rainbow yeah. There there were there's no reason for you to have two that similar blues. Did they did they think they were getting like a purple and they were like, "Well, this is too blue." <laughs> like so No, because they were both sky blue. It's not even like one was like a royal blue or yeah. something. It it was like two sky blue balls. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> Again, just going to leave that there. Um, <laughs> so they do the challenge. Right um, through the FU hole. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say speaking of that. So Amphisa is like, I got to change my strategy. I'm just going to focus on getting Shake's ball in the FU hole, like as soon as possible. But it takes her like 20 minutes. 
It takes her most of the time. Well, but that's because the the ramp on the FU hole doesn't have guardrails. All the other ones do. So it's harder for them to roll off the sides of that ramp. And it was also like it's at the top of the staircase or whatever. So it's like there's a tighter frame. All the other stuff's in like the backyard and all that stuff to where it's like, you know, there's a little more freedom in that regard. But like, yeah, she's struggling the whole time. She finally gets it in and they do like, again, this fucking show. They do a full like slow-mo shot of her going as she as they're like the balls like directly onto her face i'm like who how'd you get that camera shot i don't think they had like head cams or whatever maybe they were like built into those headbands maybe but like wouldn't you be able to see the lump of a gopro in there or something i don't know it It was was weird but like it gets towards the end and shake's doing well enough to where it still makes a big deal of and fisa gets uh shake out um, but it basically comes down to bananas and fair play. They're like neck and neck. And at a certain point, like towards like the last like two minutes, bananas just tells Tanisha, like, just fuck with his ball. Like, just, like make sure he doesn't get one in as I, you know, as I do my shit. And then it ends up being that bananas wins again. I feel like bananas is like running away with the season for the most part. Yeah. It's going to be hard to sort of like beat him in terms of like, again, depending on what the fucking final challenge is. It seems like they don't even know. Like, like at one point, Fair Play seems to be, like, pitching the concept of, like, a jury. But, right. like, we don't know that there's a jury. And like, is that just because you're coming from Survivor? And, and that's, and like, that's what how that would, works on Survivor? How it would normally go, like, in your mind or whatever? Like, I would think that it would be a jury, right? Yeah. But also, again, how do we then narrow it from, like, five people in the finale to like I don't know. I'm I'm confused. Um but we'll see how it, it ends. It feels up. like even Joel McHale doesn't know how it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like is that that's how it's felt all season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like even the show doesn't know what's happening the next episode. Well, they're kind of just let, that's the we'll get to it at the banishment. They're just kind of letting them do whatever the fuck they want to do at this point. Yeah, like, it's it's like this whole season is 11 people playing dollies yeah. and that's why they have the dollies there we go that they get rid of joel's gonna be the winner at the end and it's like some big brother like <laughs> i can totally see that <laughs> it, it could be some bullshit like that i wouldn't be surprised um but, so uh bananas basically is trying to convince fair play that he's not in danger like i'm not targeting you when he definitely is very yeah. clear like because he gave bobby the supervillain title I'm fucking him over. Um, and he's like, Amaros is a target, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I love Tanisha's like so excited. Tanisha is definitely becoming Banana's hype person in many ways. Mm-hmm. And her confessional is like, Amaros is going home. She's overstayed her welcome and is running up the tab with her food. Like, and we're going to send her home. And then Banana just sits Tanisha down and goes, here's the thing. We got to keep Amarosa. And she's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but like, why though? <laughs> But he's like, her head's not in the game. Like, she just quit. Like, you know, it's going to be easier to beat her. Which, again, maybe that was Omarosa's strategy of, like, make myself look weak to where... But at that point, keep her. Right. Well, that's why I'm, I'm saying. If, 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 if I'm Omarosa. Because I, I don't know why she's, like, doing this whole, like, I'm, I have my injury Like, she's thing done the like, whole exposed her belly thing. Sure. Like, I'm an innocent little, little animal. I'm just gonna roll over and let you get my belly. I gotcha. Yeah, I like it can't be like a sympathy thing because it's so like 
blatantly obviously bad and no one buys yeah. it to where it has to be that you know i i don't know um but at one point bananas that she's he's talking to nisha and like knocks over the his drink though and breaks the glass on the ground and then jokes and goes if anyone asks just say they were attacked by a tambourine <laughs> which is a great callback um eva tells them to all get ready for nominations and then so banana it's like bananas is like hyped up you know fair play that he's he's fine but then bananas is in the kitchen with fair play and anfisa and bananas is like flirting with anfisa essentially and tells her like you know here's the thing i'll make you a deal um if i don't nominate you that whole big swan because i guess it's i thought it was like an actual pool floaty but no it's like a big like decorative swan like thing i don't know she's like i want to he's like i want to put that in the pool and you have to float around the pool with me in that if i don't nominate you and she's like great and fair play is just kind of looking like okay like yeah like if amphis is not going up what the fuck does that mean for me like right um yeah it was very it was you could tell bananas was playing with fair play a lot in and was definitely liked being in that sort of driver's yeah position i mean especially when we get to the actual nominations we'll get to it um they actually go into the stronghold um banana starts by nominating amorosa and he basically prefaces it by saying like you know competing and not quitting means everything to me amorosa goes was that the case when your girl quit or is there some double standard which i was like okay that's fair like that like you know but he goes (laughs) i love bananas going she didn't quit she had a phobia. Haven't heard of a phobia of leaf blowers. I'm like, but I mean, good clap back, but also like, yeah, Tanisha did quit. <laughs> but she didn't. She tried. But also she brought Omarosa didn't try. I... Also, Omarosa's is fake. Sure. That's the, I believe that Tanisha is actually afraid of snakes. That's the difference. Uh, Tanisha is just yelling at Amorosa going, you're a fraud. Nothing's wrong with you. And Amorosa um, goes, you hit me. You know the medic made a decision. And if that's the reason you're using it, nothing else to be said. Thank you, guys. And then just walks out of the room, like not even going to sit up. Joel in the back, this whole episode is just like, I mean, I guess, like, like, not fuck format. Like, it's honestly worse than trying to wrangle cats. It's bad. Yeah, Tanisha goes, "You belong over there. Get your ass over there." And Amorosa goes, "You're yelling because it's all you know how to do. You're the best pan smasher in the game, Tanisha." I mean, she is the best pan smasher in the game. Yeah, Joel's like, I'm beginning to think Stormy has the only way you all know how to leave a room. Yeah. Um, oh my God. So then bananas gets into his second nomination. He goes, okay, bear with me for a second, Joel in the animal kingdom. And Joel goes, Oh God, (laughs) (laughs) nope, 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 nope. Um, and then bananas with this long fucking analogy about like, you know, a wolf while it's a bloodthirsty predator, you know what a wolf will do. They kill people. Rats, however, like to hide in the shadows. They spread rumors and innuendo, innuendo, like fecal matter. And Joel has to be like, you know, wolves are also spreading fecal matter, right? <laughs> like the, everybody, Joel, everybody poops. There's a whole book about it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It was. And then bananas like fakes out, like he's going to do Amphisa, but then nominates fair play. And then the fucking, like, like we're in the fucking Godfather, the music, like coming over the top is like, like bananas is just like staring down fair play at the top, at the top of the nomination block. And bananas going like, are you a wolf or are you a rat? Fair play going, I'm a friend. I love you and this fucking hurts. I made one wrong move in 20 years. If this is what you do to make it even, I still got your back. And Fair Play starts like crying. 
have we concluded whether this is i think it's we're meant to believe it's fake but they never really explicitly say that like fair like when like fair place just like cry be like can we go home like like am i done here like can i you know Rosa walked out can i walk out like it's fine i'm done and walks out and like uh, he kind of like looks at the camera but he never is really like wink wink i'm faking it like right i would love to actually know what the fuck is going on with that I I don't know. I feel like maybe Fair Play's having a mental breakdown. <laughs> it's so yeah. It's like huh. he and because it's not good. Like it's no. not like a good performance even necessarily. But that almost makes it more believable. Yeah, it's, you know. It, yeah, I I just felt like he did a better job on Survivor of like fake crying about his grandmother than like. Well, and also it's just the fact that he's also being like, "You're my best friend I've ever made on reality TV, Johnny Bananas." It's like you've met him for like you know three weeks at this point what like yeah i don't know um also you didn't win your season of survivor no so clearly you made mistakes you made, there too you did make some mistakes at least <laughs> like um yeah um, you've literally never won a challenge <laughs> yeah. anytime you've been on reality television you've made mistakes they come back into the house from the stronghold and Amarosa. we just get to these repeated shots of just Amarosa on the phone with her lawyer like every like five minutes or whatever uh bananas says that uh fair play is following him around like his old poodle that needs to be put down essentially like he's just like anywhere he needs he's just like trying to like do like puppy dog eyes to like get sympathy um and then like I, bananas they're in the a bedroom or whatever and bananas jokes like if you love me you'll kiss me on the lips right now and then fair play immediately gets up to go kiss him on the lips again I, as much as like i was like oh yeah we need the gay stuff with bobby there was definitely a lot of like straight homoerotic right and from my i i don't watch the challenge but i hear that's a lot of like bananas vibe as well mm-hmm. which i i i can go here or there on sometimes i'm like oh, okay you're too straight to be like doing well, this but to me, you can't do that sort of joking around if you're not comfortable in who you are. That's and true. It, usually, you can't be homophobic and also comfortable in who you are. Yeah. That's not... Those things are kind of mutually exclusive. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying. And then Bananas jokes again and goes, you're not going to come over here and stick your thumb in my ass. And then Fairplay goes to do it and he farts on his thumb. <laughs> And then, can, and then at one point, Tanisha comes in the room like, what the hell's going on? And Bananas, like, walks towards her and then, like, just straight farts in Fairplay's face. And I could, I felt like Fairplay was pissed, like, at this point. <laughs> Tanisha's like, this is why I hide in my closet and eat my Subway sandwiches, which I guess was a thing that she was doing. And they cut to it multiple times. I'm like, eat in the kitchen. So, like, what, you hiding your Subway sandwiches? No, she just didn't want to be with the people. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, she's hiding from the people eating her Subway sandwiches. Yeah, that's fair. Um, they get up the next morning. Um, and Fisa and Shake are talking. And she talks about, like, maybe it's a good idea to keep Omarosa. Because, you know, hey, like, you know, she's proven, like, th- with the challenge and also with her injury that she may not compete. So it might be an easier bet for you. Shake's like, yeah, because she's so, like, weak and feeble. Like, being like, we don't buy this. Like, come on. Yeah. I Again, I would... I, I need it. I need some like after show or some like sort. I need someone like I need or or at least more of the confessional stuff to like. What is your strategy, Amarosa? Because I don't yeah. fully get it. Like yeah, and I had those issues even a couple weeks prior mm-hmm. where it's like, eh. um, 
Fairplay's trying to convince Jake to keep him. He's basically like, Bananas could have won every challenge in this game that he, if he wanted to. This last Battle Royal challenge, he's going to go all out. Amarosin and Fisa are not voting for you. Basically implying that there's going to be some, like, like, pick the winner of the eliminated people, like, sort of thing. Right. So, like, he's, that's why he's saying, like, keep Amarosin and Fisa, get out, you know. I don't know. I just, like, I, it's it's strange to me. Like, I um, I hate, like, I don't care because this show is so fun, but it's right. like, I want the rules. Like, what are the rules? Right. Um, Banana and Amphisa, uh, go right on the swan around the pool. Like, um, Banana's, or that Amphisa promised. Um, and Fairplay's like freaking out the whole time that they're intermingling. And it's like, I don't need the two sides intermingling. He's like pacing around and like freaking out. Um, yeah. Um, Amarosa is working on Shake because he know she knows that Shake is basically the swing vote. Tanisha is going to be voting for um, to send her home, and then Amphisa is going to be voting for uh, to keep Amarosa. So Shake's kind of in the middle. This, this was also my frustration is that this episode gave Shake a lot of power, and I was like, Shake sucks when he's in power in any which way in the show. Shake sucks when he's Shake. Sure, but like once once you, he gets that added bit of just like ooh I'm important like oh yeah like he just becomes so arrogant and like yeah. extra dickheady. Um, he basically Amaros is like I'll help you win the supervillain challenge if I can next time around. And Shake's like if you can convince Aunt Visa that she will vote with you, then I'll do it. And so. Uh, they try to get something together uh, in terms of that. Shake and Bananas try to get Tanisha to not vote for Amarosa. Can we just talk about how that name combination? Shake and Bananas. Shake and Bananas. Bananas Shake. Yeah. That should be the, that's the, that's the couple name. Yeah, right. But also don't get together. No. No. Um, get with, if Bananas is going to get together with anyone in the show, it's going to be Bobby. Like that's the, the, that's the trajectory. Um, Banana Light. The banana lights yeah that's perfect um they try to get tanisha to not vote for amarosa they're like she's playing more with her head and not with her heart or, or whatever like basically like she's like i hate amarosa so i'm gonna vote her out right um but tanisha's basically like do what you gotta do but respect my decision like i'm not moving like i'm voting for amarosa like period um <laughs> again and then again we get another like like static like sort of like transition shot of a, of the fucking gingerbread man peeking around the corner, and I'm like, what does this mean? What is this? Is it because the episode is like is because is it because Christmas? Is it, did they specifically time it around Christmas? But they've done this previously on the show, so I don't understand. I, I don't understand. Right? It's like this has to do with something, right? Like, is the gingerbread man gonna like activate the dolls and like bring them? I don't know. It's uh, it's going to turn into a really shitty uh, horror flick and all the all the executed dolls and the gingerbread man are going to attack the rest of the villains. Yeah. It, it's, and the gingerbread man turns out to be Joel McHale. It really feels like that. <laughs> um, Omarosa is uh, with Amphis in the kitchen and with Shake as well and to get Shake on their side. She tells him, if you want me to go upstairs and like put the hand on my Bible, I will do it. And <laughs> you always hate this stuff. You hate it on like Survivor this season as well where, it's, it like, where people like swear on their families or swear on like... These games, the, these games... I mean, for the lack of a better term, game shows, because that's really what they are. They're just long format. They're based on people lying to each other. Right. What is the, and also, what is the natural instinct of someone lying? Like, putting down your defenses enough to where you believe them. Anytime, like, 
I, it's just there's no way to be like. But let's put like the natural. Unless like, you have a complete simpleton that you're dealing with. But like, also let's put all the 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 reality show stuff to the side. If someone says, "I swear on my mom's life," yeah, that X Y Z. What happens if they lied? Right. What actually happens? Unless you're like a a. In, here's the thing. Unless you're like a, a very spiritual person, or or you're dealing with a very spiritual person who thinks that something will happen in that regard, that like. I mean, I guess, but when? When has that ever actually happened? Sure. I've got the answer for you. Never. <laughs> so I don't fucking care if someone says, I swear on my child. I swear on my great-grandpappy. I swear on whoever. Yeah. Like, that doesn't fucking matter. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Honestly, if you start doing that sort of thing, I think you're lying. Right. So that's not a way to ingratiate me with you yeah i agree um they head into the stronghold um and amorosa and Fairplay take their seats um they give their sort of like speeches i'm fucking amorosa going i don't consider any of you as a foe and i look forward to being friends outside of this house i'm like girl like ain't nobody like your ass she really i don't i feel like she knows they don't buy it you know what i mean like there's like a (laughs) which makes it even i guess funnier that she's doing it yeah. Like, she's just kind of poking at them. Um, uh, Fairplay gives his speech as well. And then I don't know why Joel did this. And I was like, oh, damn it, Joel. Like, he asked, like, so does anyone else here have anything to say? Shake decides to take this as his moment because he knows he's the swing vote to, like, give, like, these, like, narr- these like big, like, speeches that weren't even that good. No. Like, they weren't. I mean, they're Shake. No. It's from Shake, so no. Yeah. But he he starts by going just like, my vote matters a great deal. And then we just hear, <coughs> and Amorosa just keeps coughing throughout this play. <laughs> like, something. Again, is it, I I want to know the risk, because clearly this is what it, what it is. The risk to um, congestion cough connection. Here. Right. Because, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, she really was just pulling it all out. Um, they go into then vote, um, and then the we see the PAs literally coming in to sort of like strap fair play and Amaros into the seats for them for whoever gets eliminated to be thrown back. Amaros is just like, I don't want to tighten it at all. Like I can't have I can't have this like on my chest. She was acting as if like it was gonna give her like chest compressions. Like oh yeah, like how delicate is your like sternum? It's not. <laughs> It's like, I've had a a chest cold many a times, and it's like, honestly, like, pressure here is, like, maybe good most of the time. She's just a whiny bitch who doesn't want special treatment, no matter what that special treatment is. Yeah. Um, They all vote. Uh, It's a two-to-one. Shake, obviously, was the decider, and Omarosa goes home. Um, Joel asks Amorosa if she has any last words, and she just t- does heart hands to Tanisha. And Tanisha goes, Go to hell, Amorosa. And Amorosa goes, I'll meet your family there. Wow. Tanisha goes, You're fired again. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, and then, but before, like, so they, I guess, because they didn't, because because she was like, don't strap me in too tight. They go to strap her in tighter, and Amorosa is like, No, no, no. Like, you're you're gonna need to get the medic. And then I was also confused. The medic comes in with like a, you know, those like big, like glaring flashlight headbands. 
it was like are we are you trying are you wearing this to like make us believe that you're actually in like we're actually in like a cave and not like a fake like soundstage why does he have that light on his head well it is dark in there but there's also like 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 production lights and like fucking like (laughs) i was so confused and and so the medic she's talking to the medic and like i love she just keeps going I, I can't I can't take the compression. And she's like, I'm not saying a word. It's on you. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna let you make the. Dis-. She keeps wanting the medic to say like, I am. T- I am telling you, Amarosa cannot do this. And he's just like, I mean, it's whatever you want to do. Like he's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like no, like the, no, it's your decision, one way or the other. And she's like, no, no, it's actually, it's actually the medic's decision. Um, no, and she, it's like, no, no, you. It, like it was so fucking baffling to me and then they have to have a producer fucking come in and she's like i'm not taking the compression against my chest like i'm not dying doing this that's on y'all you're not dying what does she think the other people who have been eliminated died <laughs> well no did, they did no, we they, murder tiffany pollard no, they, the they weren't about to go to like cardiac arrest or whatever clearly like because i guess that's what she's insinuating like that she, like you so is she trying like i'm i'm trying to get the logic is this related to the wrist that's what i'm saying like she like is the like did it like cause a blood clot and now she's worried about a pulmonary embolism you've been watching er does that make sense <laughs> i mean technically if her wrist had been injured then yes but no, because her wrist was not injured. It's 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 such a goddamn. Mess. Also, even if it was hit, there was there was no clotting no. because there was no bleeding. Like the, I don't. Huh. <laughs> um, and she, they're like, okay, so she's decided that she's not going to do it. She's like, I came out the front door, and I'm going to go out the front door, and then just struts out, and everyone's pissed and here's this is what i was talking about beforehand where it was like i love this and like but that's also our brains being different like in terms of like omarosa has never met a contract she has abided by one thousand that's the thing one thousand percent and honestly they shouldn't have expected anything different getting Amorosa to be on this show. Right. But, like, what you were saying, like, weeks ago about, like, the sort of, like, it being about a show about villain moves. And, like, to me, like, this was, like, a classic reality TV show villain move. Do, like, this big performance to get out of, like, the the the, ta- the task or some kind of, like, like big consequence sort of thing. Like, fa- like fake faint. Or, like, like, I've seen it done before no, similarly. No, but see, that, that to me is not a villain. When I think of a villain, I think of, like, Batman villains. Like, I sure. think of maniacal, twisted doing evil shit sort of person right but also you can like villain some villains can also be cowards like in terms of like sort of like the classic idea of a villain and maybe not in terms of like sort of like the big bad like like you're saying in like superhero like like top you know but if we're talking about like an evil like businessman or an evil like you know like there's a cowardliness to it as well that could be like effective sure but omarosa's main modus operandi is um like personal gain right and it has very little to do with hurting other people 
that makes her an, an, a villain adjacent because she will hurt other people if she needs to. Mm. But to me, that doesn't make her a real villain. A real villain is someone who doesn't give a fuck about anybody else and will actually, usually, actively inflict pain because it's fun. Sure. That's a villain. To me, that was like Tiffany in like Flavor of Love Day. Oh, yeah. Like, like when, the, when she was brought back as a consultant. The give it up delicious, you look like a man. <laughs> yes. Buck Wild is in a soup kitchen. Let's straighten that neck up. <laughs> God, I again, I say every time I want to review Flavor of Love so bad again on this podcast. Maybe one day, if you guys give us enough support to where you can start a Patreon, we're going to do that. Um, but yeah, like I, yeah, I was, it was a great ending for Omarosa on this show, I think, because it was poetic for Omarosa. Yeah. In many ways. Uh, and Joel's like, well, somebody has to, I mean, go back anyways. And Fairplay's like, no, 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 no. But but Joel decides to just strap himself in with the fucking Omarosa doll. <laughs> like, we're going to do this anyways. Fuck it. Again, again, Joel is just like, whatever the fuck, like, happens, happens. Like, we're just letting it ride. Right. Like, I love that about this show. Um, yeah, that was the penultimate episode of House of Villains. We'll see the finale next week. It should be very exciting. Um, if Bananas doesn't win, I'd be shocked. I mean, maybe Tanisha. Like, I would be happy with, like, Bananas or Tanisha. No, I mean, clearly it's going to be Anfisa. Oh, my God. Oh, Could my you God. imagine? You... <laughs> or Shake? <laughs> oh, God. Let's hope. Let's not put that into the universe. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was House of Villains. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we are talking Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, Roni Legacy. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can combine that? Yes. On a wrestling man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on over to St. Bart's where Dorinda finds it much easier to get off of pause than she does to find the bathroom in her suite on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Roni Legacy. Yay! I'm so excited. I, I was... I was 
I, I'm I'm so glad for this season of Girls Trap. Oh, like, yeah. I was kind of, I don't know why I wasn't as excited, like, going in. I think there was a lot of stuff with, like, obviously, like, the Ramona stuff, which I honestly, we'll get to it. Like, shockingly, like, Ramona's, like, the calmest of, like, the group here. Honestly. Apparently, many- she took a Xanax and calmed down. I know, right? Like, it, it was, I, I, it was really good to see this group back together in many ways and, like, I, as much as I still love the reboot or, or the um, the recasting of Roni and the mm-hmm. new and the new Roni, like I I thought this was also really it's a great contrast. I've been very ways. frustrated online with people saying, "See, this is so much better. This blew you know the Roni reboot out of the water." It's like, no, stop it. These are different shows. Yeah, they're very different shows. They have the same name, but that is because. They are both Real Housewives of New York City. Yeah. Not because they are the same show. Like, the cast that is now in New York is a very different cast than any previous season of Roni. Right. And that's neither a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. Right? This cast that is on Ultimate Girls Trip is amazing. Love it. The cast that is currently in New York... Love it. Amazing. No notes on either of them. Let's go. Yeah. And you, we were discussing a lot after watching these first three episodes about like, uh, it, like, do I really think they should reanalyze the idea of like making this a show again? Like, yeah. I, it fell a- apart because of like the contract negotiations and Jill and like the, you know, right. which I'm honestly glad that Jill wasn't on this trip. I love Jill for what she's done, what she did on the show years ago. But it's like, I think she would have ruined this trip in many ways. Yeah, a lot. I needed that distilled craziness and sort of wackiness of this, these six people Mm -hmm. to like really make it work in many ways. Honestly, even if it's just this cast and it's a yearly trip. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. Or revisit it or, or have certain people visit again every once in a while, like would be nice. Like I, yeah, it just was really just distilled fun. And there was good, like dramatic moments, obviously, right. but it was like, there really is a ensemble to yeah. Roni. I think that was always the appeal of Roni and why it was so popular, especially towards the tail end was it really felt like an ensemble cast in many ways. Right. And like, it's so rare that you can find that on these kind of shows like yeah. perfectly. Well, and the good thing is, is amongst the Roni ladies, especially amongst the, the groups of the early seasons of housewives. Yeah. It doesn't feel piecemeal no. because a lot of these women were friends before the show started. Yeah. Right. These are, like organic connections they're not thrown together by bravo which that can sometimes work but rarely you know like you really need to have an existing connection and um you know like these girls had that um also so if we had our rathers Mm -hmm. we know Ramona doesn't need to come back. She's not. Yeah, there's no way that she comes back after after this. Like, no. Um, I'm glad that we got her here, kind of as a good send off after season 13. Yeah, she needed a little bit of a. Okay, maybe she's not as horrible. See, now we're going to send her off to pasture. There was that one awkward. I think it was in the third episode that awkward moment where the Ramona jokes about like people don't know that I'm like generous and like nice and really caring to people, and everyone just being like, <laughs> "Generous and nice, Ramona." I don't know about that, and I'm like, "Well, we read the Vanny Fair article." Um, what? 
Um, yeah, there's yeah, there's no realm in which he no makes a comeback. Um, Kristen also could not be in this cast if it was set in in New York because, because she's in L.A. She lives in L.A. now. Although I would stick her on OC in a heartbeat. She's great. If there is a world where Gina leaves OC, which I love Gina, I do not want to see her leave OC. Yeah, but if she did, I would put Kristen Takeman in that spot. With no hesitation. She's fantastic. And I remember from my, like, and maybe it's, I would need to watch back her seasons again when she was on. Because she, I mean, when she was announced, everyone's like, who? Like, I think you literally texted me when I showed you the cast. Yes. I was like, Kristen. Like, I literally did not remember her until you said, she's the one that Ramona threw the wine glass at in the lake. And I was like, oh, right, 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 right. And then I still couldn't remember anything else about her. But here's the thing. I've, I've seen, like. I vaguely remember her being really good her first season in turn like because she got into it with like Heather a lot and mm-hmm. like that stuff. I think what happened was her second season. She I, I think someone pointed this out online. She kind of got drowned out because that was Bethany's comeback, right? And that and she kind of got lost in the shuffle in many regards. Yeah. So it's like, I, but I think she had a lot of good. I mean, she's young. She's gorgeous. Yeah. She like has she has a good wit about her. Yeah. That's like really nice, and it was great seeing her on this cast with these like. Slightly older, little more crazier people, and her kind of like having to deal with them and and like, yeah. but like handle it in a, in a very funny manner, not in like a like, you know, letting it lose herself in many ways. Right. So if we so we couldn't have Ramona, we couldn't have Kristen, right? But we could have the other four. Yeah, definitely Dorinda, Luann, Sonia. Uh, I I I love Kelly here. Kelly's a mess. We'll get Kelly to it. is Kelly is honestly the slot in for Ramona. Yeah, she fills that. She fills that without role. being racist. Honestly, let's just say what it is. Yeah. Um, I would love a Carol Radswell back. I would I, love a Carol Radswell. Only, if only to f- do a big fuck you to Bethany. But also, like, I mean, I mean, the question would be whether they would... Because I know... I feel like Luann still doesn't like Carol, but we'll see, like... But that's fine. You can't have everybody be all chummy chummy. Yeah. Like, but Carol is so level-headed... And I feel like her and Luann, after all of this time, could maybe find some common ground. Yeah. And I just, I also would love a world where we get a little bit of Aviva back for a season or two. Oh my God. There's got to be some price point in which they can be like, hey, Aviva, can you do like one season of Girls Trip? I mean, you don't even have to show up. Just throw your leg across the screen. Yeah. It's fine. That's all we need. (laughs) That's all we need. (laughs) I also think, again, if we're never going to get the fucking, what's now becoming the lost season of Girls Trip Morocco. If Bravo never, still says it is forthcoming next year. I don't year. know how that's happening. I, 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 I think they need to stop dangling that in front of us because I know it's not I happening. think that they are still actively trying to make it happen, which yeah. is why they have not. Like, Well, Brandy's definitely... Have you seen Brandy online this past week? She's definitely no. doing, trying to reveal like text messages and saying like the producers made her get wasted and... But basically, oh, she, is she, is she she's signing gonna, on to the reality I, reckoning. I'm bullshit? sure if she hasn't already, I'm sure once she posted all those tweets, like Bethany called her, I can guarantee. Oh, I it. guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, she doesn't take ownership. But like, <laughs> like I think Alex McCord would be great on this cast yes. in many ways. Like uh-huh. I think like it would be great seeing her around. Kelly says that she wouldn't work with Alex, but again, it's like you know. It, we'll get to it uh, in our next episode when we talk about the, some of the current housewife shows. It's like you're gonna make it work. Like, also, can we 
talk about Kelly Ben Simone's face. Oh, you had thoughts. You were. <laughs> I just look Kelly Ben Simone, and look, I'm not going to shame someone for doing what they want with her face. She doesn't look different. No, necessarily. she she does not look like Kelly Ben Simone. Oh, you in, no, not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Like to me, like look, if she is happy, fabulous, yeah. wonderful. That is amazing, and honestly, that's all that fucking matters. But, girl. Girl. Yeah. You look like Caitlyn. <laughs> Call me Caitlyn. <laughs> and that's not to say that Caitlyn is ugly. No. But, but it's like Caitlyn is such a departure from what Kelly used to look like. And yeah. it's like, why did you do that? And it's her cheekbones. And like she changed her chin line, her jawline a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just I don't, I don't see, I don't understand. Um, and you know, it's really not for me to understand, but I do have to look at it. Right. So like, I, I do, I, I wish I understood. And far be it from me to shame a woman for doing what she wants with her body. All power to her wonderful if she's happy i'm happy yeah but i'm not happy no. i'm just saying i'm not happy let's let, okay so let's get into some of the issue like the, the the big moments and feuds that were sort of happening in these first three episodes it starts off immediately with this dorinda Kristen thing, uh you know? with paused versus fired pause versus fired i i here's the thing i agree with the here's the thing i i kind of saw dorinda's side to a certain extent i think dorinda when you when you fuck with Dorinda, she takes you to the Earth's fucking crust, and that, correct. And that's been an. I mean, that was why she was put on pause because she, of how she handled the whole Tinsley stuff. Well, which, but it's not just that; it's that she was handling it like that in a drunken rage, right? And that and that becomes an issue. I think I agree that I I am gonna. I'm a little tired of the pause conversation and like the reiterating of it but there is some merit to what she's saying i mean yes i think there's merit i also think she was at least in the way this was like transpiring she kind of brought it up casually and it i don't think she was making this big di diatribe about like i'm gonna be on pause i'm on pause because i'm special sort of thing she just kind of brings up like so like they're talking just about like this life after the show and sort of like mm -hmm. the dynamic around the table and she's like so like the great thing is like after i was you know put on pause and i think she does like air quotes she's like when i was put on pause or whatever it is Kristen then goes, here we go. <laughs> and I don't think Kristen meant it mean. I, I, think no. she, I think she was like, oh, it's the pause conversation. Like, again. And she talks later that she's friends with Brandy. And, right. and Brandy did that on Girls Trip 2 with uh -huh. Dorinda. But Dorinda, like, takes it the very, like, the worst possible way and just goes, well, let me just be clear. I mean, you know, you were fired. I, I was put on pause. So let's just be clear. <laughs> well, but in Dorinda's offense, uh, no, defense, in Dorinda's defense, that is what she was told allegedly by Annie Cohen. That sure. is the word he used on the phone with her. Yeah. So, and I do believe that she was put on pause. And if Roni had continued, she would have been brought back in yeah. season 14. Similar in the way that I think 
while maybe not formally saying to her, I think Rinna is on pause right now. Yeah. In many ways. I agree. I, I see a realm. I don't think Rinna's burned the bridge completely to where she can't come back. She, I feel like she tried. It got close. It got close there. Um, she definitely had the, <laughs> the lighter <laughs> fluid out and a, and a match was struck. Yeah. But, uh, she didn't fully burn the bridge down, but, uh, um, but I do, and not that I think Kristen did, because clearly she's here, but, like, Kristen left the show and went and did other things. Like, she moved away. She, all of these things. She clearly wasn't coming back as a regular on a season of Roni. Sure. And so, in that case, she was fired. Yeah. And Dorinda was put on pause, because there was an intention to eventually down the road when things aligned better to bring Dorinda back. And I do think that there is a distinction there. I think part of what it is, is I don't think Dorinda is necessarily sensitive about being on pause. I think she's sensitive about people looking at her a certain way because she says that she's on pause. Right. I think that's what it's become where it's like, that's right. Because they're treating her like she's delusional. Yeah. And she's like, no, that is what Andy told me. And I do believe that if Roni had continued, I would have come back. Yeah. But I also love Kristen's response of just like, so the show doesn't exist anymore. So, like, what are we talking about this whole pause right. conversation? Correct. Like, but for to be clear, she was put on pause and then the show shut down. So she was never actually fired. Right. She's she just, just on indefinite on pause. pause. Indefinite pause. Yeah. Um, and then I, lo- oh my God. But I love that. Here's the thing. I love that this kind of was contained in the first episode. And mm-hmm. I, and the fact that also after the first episode, Dorinda and Kristen actually get pretty close after this. Like, Correct. Going on. I actually like that a lot. And like, but I love how it like built throughout the first episode. I love that they have the, that fight at the table. And then they disperse. And then they're in the pool at one point. And then like, then they just start fighting in the pool, like arguing about it. And I love when Dorinda like, it's like basically tells her to bring it on essentially. And she like Kristen makes such a point to get out of the pool floaty to then get closer to, her <laughs> to She's fight like, this. Oh, up. I could bring it on. Yeah, it, it was really fun. And then the, and then also that transpired into the dinner uh, that night. And also the the great line from fucking Dorinda of, of the look: Eagles don't fly with pigeons. Okay, <laughs> so go get your breadcrumbs and come back to me later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that sticks with like and, and Ramona Ramona being like, Do I have oh my god, is this what you said? And Dorinda being like, I don't remember. I don't remember the things I say. <laughs> like Dorinda is fucking I here's the thing, even when Dorinda makes me roll my eyes because she gets a little too aggressive, and I think like I felt that way on her her season of girls trip at Bluestone Manor a lot that I was like, Oh, this isn't the best Dorinda. But like when she once she mellows a little bit, she's amazing. Like, yeah. And, like, you know, especially, like, the in the end of the third episode, like, the fight with Kelly at the dinner. It was like, this is the Rinda I like. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then the fact that she's advocating for Kristen in that moment. We'll yeah. get to it. It's well, a- and I think, I think part of that is her easing back into filming again. Yeah. And with the with season two of Ultimate Girls Trip, there was so much pressure because it was at Bluestone. She was... You know, she was hosting the whole time. She mentions that that was like a big thing over her head. So she never really got to ease into it. Whereas here, she's not hosting. Yeah. She doesn't have any extra pressure on her other than enjoying the trip. And so after getting used to the cameras being there again, she just needs 
she just gets to settle in and enjoy her time. Yeah. And I think that's why this will be a much better showing of who Dorinda is and who Dorinda can be. Right. Than season two. Yeah. Let's also, so uh, we also get, I, I want to get, I love Sonia. Sonia, like we watched, we got like halfway through the Welcome to Crappy Lake uh, show. It was good. It just, it didn't keep our attention enough. It, it was low man on the totem pole, which is, I'm sorry, that's not a phrase we're supposed to use anymore. So we're not going to use that. <laughs> um, it was a low priority for us when we were watching. Yeah. Um, so it, it just wasn't important enough for us to keep up with. And not that it probably isn't great. I mean, we'll probably get caught up on it at some point, but it just, but like Sonia is just like such good comic relief. And there was all that discussion too, about like, I like that Sonia is still crazy at this in on the season so far. And like has those like drunken moments at times, but she doesn't feel too drunk. Like she, she doesn't feel like she, was at certain moments where it's like, oh, this is kind of sad a little bit. Yeah, like it, it. We get it here and there, like with this uh, with this whole short feud with like Luann this on um, one of the episodes. But like, especially with like the whole reality reckoning stuff, they kept like Bethany was definitely like hinting at the like you know they just let Sonya get drunk and then like you know parade her out or whatever. But it's like it definitely felt like controlled crazy. Yeah, like it definitely felt like I was seeing Sonya. Just just Sonya's personality and not anything influenced. I mean, it definitely wasn't to the level of Sonya in, um, oh, where did they go in New Jersey? Atlantic City. Oh. You remember that trip? Right, right, right. Where she was talking about, I slept with, slept no, with who? No, no, or no, the, used to party, party with. John John Kennedy and yeah, Madonna. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, but it, yeah, it was definitely uh, much, much better in that regard. Um, but then she gets to it with Luann at one point at one of these like lunches because she are like the topic comes up that like Sonia is not really like the, they can't really get a hold of Sonia a lot of the time. And she's like sort of like distant, like in many ways, she kind of alludes to the fact that she, she, well, she, has, I think she explicitly says that she's like couch hopping at, at now at this point, which yeah. kind of worries me in that regard. Well, like her, cause did she last... sell the townhouse? I think it is on the market, but I don't think she's living there anymore. Yeah. They did. <laughs> I will say there was that one funny story that Dorinda shares about how she loaned Sonia her apartment for whatever, for like a week or something. And then Dorinda a comes month. and then Dorinda comes back and like the, her like assistant or whatever. Cause of course Sonia has like millions of assistants and staff <laughs> being like, uh, yes, Miss Morgan is, is asleep right now. And like, like, like basically she's run the apartment essentially at this point. It's, it's hilarious. It's a great story. Yeah. And it's like, well, you don't, and then Dorinda needed to stay the night there and slept on her own couch <laughs> yeah. while it's like, really? Also, why did Dorinda sleep on the couch when there was a guest room that Sonia was supposed to have stayed in yeah, and didn't? It's so crazy. Um, but, but then, so, so they get, Sonia and Louie get into like the, the, like whether they're, you know, who, how, who's Sonia is the closest friends with. And she's like, Sonia then brings up Bethany and that she talks, she talks to Bethany more than she talks to Luann on the phone. And Luann gets real pissed about that. And like, I was just surprised Bethany's name got brought out in terms of like, Honestly, it's probably because Bethany was trying to call her about all of this stuff. I bet. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. So, yeah. That makes That's the so only much reason sense. that she's talking to her because she knows that Sonia was constantly drunk 
when they were on Roni. And they want her to pull a Leah and, and Sonya's not going to sell out the network. Right. And, and be like, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> 1,000%. Um, yeah. And so Lu- Luann gets really offended by this, obviously, and, like, gets gets one way. But then, like, Sonya's, like, crying about it. And, mm-hmm. But it, it makes good. What do you think of What do you think of Luann so far in this trip? I find it very... Um, and she's having like sort of like a little like short circuit moment, not short circuit, but like there was like she pops up at Ramona and Sonya at one point because they're late before they leave the like the the um the villa or whatever. Like she has some like snippiness here and there, and a little bit more. Um, it definitely feels like it feels like a merging of several eras of Luann. Yeah, um, because you know, like early, early, early Roni Luann was very hoity-toity. The countess, very, and- the countess was very high and mighty. There's hints of that coming through, yeah. right? Uh, there's hints of alcoholic. Luann, which is a little sad, but honestly, it's the good parts of her. Which she said that she's, like, casually drinking again, which I was like... Well, to me, I I haven't seen any behavior on this trip that indicates that there's a problem. No. So, to me, it seems like she didn't... She wasn't actually an alcoholic. She was abusing alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was self-medicating, which is a different thing. Because an alcoholic is living, breathing, actively addicted, can't wait for their next drink. Right. It, it takes over their mental status. It doesn't give that vibe. Right. And, and honestly, she never gave that vibe. She was self-medicating over everything that had happened with Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And dealing with all of that trauma, right? That's what was going on with her and all the stuff that was going on with her kids. Yeah. Because she had lost all relationship with her kids and it was just, it was a really bad time for her. Um, And so she was self-medicating. She was running from her trauma. That's what was happening with that. And it's, and it's fascinating. It's fascinating looking at it in terms of also like the, cause she gets into it with Kelly a lot. These like mm-hmm. last two episodes about like, it's like you don't bring me around anymore you didn't invite me to the rangers games the amount of times they bring up this fucking rangers game that kelly was supposed to fucking invite luann to but that basically everyone else believes that it's just an excuse for luann to sort of like luann is just horny she's just horny she's just a horny old countess (laughs) like yeah but like i it does make that element makes me sad to a certain regard that she hasn't found like that sort of like one person that she can kind yeah. of like be with and is still kind of like floating around. Cause I don't, yeah, I don't know if she wants to be the flirt that she has been for the no, last couple of years. Because she doesn't seem that that's something that I've noticed is that she talks a big game, but when given the opportunity, she's not going down that road. Yeah. Um, whereas years ago she would have. Right? She would have just gone to bed with any of those guys that came over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that wouldn't have been an issue. And now she's a little bit more choosy, which I think is healthier. Um, So I think, but I think that this is also like a new version of her that she's not quite used to yet. Right. And I think that give her a few more years getting used to this version of her and she'll find somebody. Cause I, I also thought it was, if in- she wants to. Yeah. 
now that I'm looking back on it and like discussing it, I also thought it was interesting when they they had that scene where they invited all those guys over like mm-hmm. the, to the place, and the fact that Luann wasn't the most flirty with everyone, like she kind of right. was like because even Kristen was like guys like get in there like I'm I'm the only one flirting with anyone and I'm married, so right. it's like what are we doing? But like Luann was very selective, and yeah. I found that strange like different for her in terms of what she was like portraying also that one that called her handsome and she had to be like so yeah we don't (laughs) we don't call women handsome (laughs) i mean you can it's not an offensive word i think i understand why luann had to correct it because she always gets shit on for her voice and her like that i I, when he said it the immediate thing i thought of was that carol line of i was woken up in the night by two male voices one was the (laughs) wands well okay so here's the thing handsome just means dark features because there are men who are not handsome but they're pretty yeah and these and these guys were were they french or were they they, no, they, yeah, they were French, right? Because yeah, like yeah. Luann was like, because also now that they're in Zayn Bart's, like Luann gets to test out her French, French some more, and like, because uh-huh. of course, <laughs> uh, her basically trying to like, sell, like again maintain the story that she didn't fuck the pirate on that Saint Bart's trip, and she like, even to the point where she admit, yeah, I mean, like I got caught in that heart, Mike, but it was only because I didn't want Ramona and Sonya to like think I slept with him. Come on, like. Girl, I, yeah, they keep building up this season also to this whole like. I feel like we're like, I believe they're teasing that we're going to see the pirate again, like the real pirate. Yeah, not the fake one that Ramona dressed up. Right, but like, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Come on, it's classic Luann. Though. Also, of those guys, there was only one that was actually that hot. The one with the you were the, you like the one with um, the long hair. Well, I mean, he was fine. But, I mean, the one that I was really mostly attracted to was Maxim, which was the guy with the red beard. Yes, yes, yes. He was the one that worked on the beach. I thought the one who dressed in the pirate outfit was hot. He was fine. Was he the one that was wearing, like, the the blue sunglasses originally? I think maybe. That, to me, it's something about the, that, like, dark, like, brown, almost black wavy shoulder length hair with the colored sunglasses right was giving me um have no of course you haven't seen but some of the listeners may have the um gary oldman version of dracula okay yeah 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 the only difference is that it's set in victorian times and it's red sunglasses instead of blue ones. i know what you're talking about now yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that visual so i mean gary oldman hot but like it it was just a different it it was giving goth club yeah. and not not we're at a beach, we're not at a beach resort in St. Bart's, you know. Yeah. So I and it it threw me off a little bit. It was like is that a vampire over there? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> um uh, there also so we're getting a I think we're going to be getting this more in the episodes to come. But uh Kristen having and and Chris I saw interviews with Kristen like I think she talked to like Entertainment tonight talking about it that she knew this was going to be brought up the um the stuff about her husband um, right with the Ashley Madison which was like or as someone you said Dolly Madison. <laughs> <laughs> It's so fucking funny. <laughs> but, like, I, I, if I remember correctly, this happened, like, the like a couple months or so after she left the show. Like, it was, like, very quickly after. Yeah. So, yeah. Here's the thing. Do I believe that nothing happened with him and no? 
Because the the only reason you're on Ashley Madison is to cheat on your wife. Like it's a it's a it's a website designed for cheating on your wife. Sure, but that doesn't mean that he never that he actually ever met with someone. Sure, and here but here's the thing: it's been eight years or whatever the fuck. They are still married, right? They it's have, old fucking news. Yeah, get it, over it. I don't care. Like I don't think she's. I don't. I don't think retroactively he, she needs to be like divorce him now. Like right, you know. But I also I appreciate how she handled it, and, and I like going back to like Dorinda like befriending her like i appreciated dorinda sort of like championing her in that regard mm-hmm. and being like and love the like reiterating to her like you're the only one here among the six of us that's married still so right you know that says something at the end of the day um i love also Kristen being like you know dorinda that's why i kind of you know i was happy to see you again because you were actually the only one that reached out to me like after it happened you sent me this like really nice supportive text message i love Dorinda going oh i don't remember it's so good that i did that (laughs) (laughs) it was great um and then but also so that gets brought up on one night but then the next morning sonya's like reading the daily mail article in the morning getting all the details about it he had like 75 transactions like that's what's being reported the there were like 75 transactions or something um so it says something about how he was looking for like emotional connection or something like that like that was listed in his bio or something i love sonia going i don't get emotional or intellectual until i come then i scream i'm like oh my god sonia uh, <laughs> oh god crazy speaking of crazy let's get to kelly um <laughs> god damn here's the thing um with the we i feel maybe we mentioned this on the podcast maybe it was offline i can't remember I think it might have been offline with the whole Bethany stuff that's been happening recently. And the whole us, I think a lot of people reanalyzing Bethany's time on the show Mm -hmm. and sort of like, was she always in the right in certain regards? I don't know if I'm there yet on Kelly. Like the Kelly's, I think, I think it benefited Bethany that Kelly was so crazy. And so viscerally like, contradicting everything that she said and was just weird all the time and like that i think like boosted bethany in many regards right you know i i i don't think bethany really switched until she came back the second time right so there there's like really four eras to bethany yeah there's early bethany when she's really just entrepreneur single mother at that point no she didn't have a kid no, she yet. didn't have a kid yet so entrepreneur pushing skinny girl all of that stuff yeah fabulous love that bethany fully within her power watching her at that time she was my favorite housewife yeah spoke for the audience in many ways I yeah would say. very much so very much the narrator of the show um, and every good reality TV show needs a narrator, and she was it. Yeah. Um, she was our end to really calling out the craziness of the rest of the cast, and boy, were they crazy. Um, like every single... Uh, she was the straight man. Yeah. Right? Um, that, there's that era, Bethany. Then she leaves. Then she comes back. Um, and what was the season six? Seven. Seven. Um, she comes back and she's only there for like two seasons and then she leaves and comes back. No, 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 no. She's there until she's from season seven till season 11. And then she was supposed to come back for season 12, but like a week before was like, no, 
I'm not okay. doing it. Right, right, right. So there's there's really just three eras of Bethany. Yeah. So there's this era where she comes back and she's different. And I don't know exactly how to put my finger on how she's different, but I know that it is mainly because of everything going on with her husband. Yeah. I think and it, the divorce and all of that stuff. I think the husband stuff fucked her up a lot. I think also the having that chance at fame, like she had her own show and she had, and right. she also had the talk show that didn't work out. And right. like the, she thought she was going to be that mogul, like in many ways. Right. And, and, and then she going, did like the whole humanitarian route where she was yeah. reacting to all the national disaster or national natural disasters around the world. And, um, like there was the hurricanes that came through, uh, Oh, where was it when they were filming? I know she was doing stuff. Well, I I, I forgot where they were filming. It was it Maybe was it somewhere was in the Caribbean. No, it was the yeah, Haiti it was, earthquakes. It was Haiti earthquakes. Yes, um, and so she went and did like they even had a whole episode on it where yeah. she went with who was it? The Dorinda. Took, Dorinda. When went Dorinda with got her. real fucking drunk and was and it was a mess and like went and did the humanitarian aid down there. We really got to see in depth of what she was doing. Like, the good humanitarian work around the world that she was doing. Yeah. Um, And then she left the show again. But I think that litigious, like, all the litigious time that she spent fighting her ex, like, with custody and all of that stuff, really changed her, the way that she functioned. Yeah. Really changed her thought patterns. And um, she just... Like, everything that she did was then twisted in a way where she was now going to, I don't, I don't know. Like, there was, it it was, I have to get an advantage. I have to twist this in the way that it works in my favor. I think she thrived off of the idea that she was the narrator on the show. And I think that a lot, because of that, when you get the validation that everything that you're saying speaks to us, right? It speaks to what we're seeing. It speaks to like, yeah, Kelly is fucking crazy. Yeah. Ramona is a fucking mess. Yeah. You know, Luann is full of herself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It then reaches a point when, Anytime your shit then starts to unravel and you lose control, it's what I think is what happened with the Carol stuff. Like, I think Carol oh, was yeah. getting more control of the narrative and like sort of exposing things, and Bethany fucking spiraled because of that. Like, I think, like, well, she had had her, her point of view validated so much that she thought she was infallible. Yeah. In the way that and you she really get, things. you still get that with Bethany, like, even nowadays. Well, like, and now that, that's what I mean. Like, now she's led into this. It doesn't matter what I say. It is true. Yeah. And I, I am, am the right authority. and I am the authority. And I now have to call truth to power no matter where that power is and no matter whether what I'm saying is truth or not. Yeah. And it it really is. It, I think it has to do with having to be in court constantly through that through that breakup. Like, that really changed her. And it really changed her from probably could have gone down as one of the best housewives of all time to, well, yeah, this. Yeah. And, yeah. So, but, like, going back to the Kelly thing, like, I don't think, again, I don't think Kelly, I think Kelly still was Kelly. Like, I think it was, like, hard to sort of break that. Correct. I thought it was interesting how she was talking also about, like, 
how she hid some parts of her life in terms of like relationships and stuff like that. She talks about like she was in a bad, she says in this um, girl strip here that she was in like a bad relationship, like her first season, which I remember. It being, I thought we knew about that. I think there was some stuff that had come out about like abuse and stuff like that. And, and, and in terms of that, which I think factors in mm-hmm. a certain thing with Kelly. Um, and then she also said that she broke off a relationship with somebody because she didn't want them to be like pegged as like, oh, you're dating Kelly Bensimone, Scary Island, crazy Kelly Bensimone from Roni. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating to me. Um, but it was definitely still a lot of the Kelly isms that we originally got still back here, like being like, I also know, I love mean, how I just, just be authentic. Like, 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 yeah. like, 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 oh, God, it's so weird. You're so weird. Like, it's, it's that repetitive, like, sort of like, as if if you don't react in the way she would react, then you're reacting fake. Yeah. So it gets in mainly with this thing with Kristen, which yeah. was, to me, the funniest feed so far of the stuff that we've watched. Fabulous. It starts at that first dinner where she's like, like, Kristen's been, like, watching all the, like, past episodes. She's, like, the ghoul of housewives. And it's only because, like, Kristen, like, would bring up in conversation, like, like oh, like, you're thinking, like, season six. No, like, this is season whatever. Or whatever. Oh, that cast trip. Like, that was, like, a year before mine. And to me, like, it's not that strange. Like, I don't think Kristen is, like... Well, and she talks about it later. I think it's episode three where she says, my friends are on this show. Of course I'm watching it. Yeah. Like, they're my friends. Why would I not support them and keep up with what's happening with them? Right. Like, duh. And Kelly's just like, it's just inauthentic. Like, it's it's just weird. It's, 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 no, because it's going to come up on this show. <laughs> I need to be informed about it. And then that transitions to Kelly calling Kristen a fan. And it's like, that becomes like the... Hasn't this been a thing, though, before? Yeah. I, I, with Kristen, or was it with someone else? May, I think it may have been with... It may have been with, like, an Alex or something. Or something to that effect. Like, she does it with a lot of people. At a certain point, I was like, is she going to call Kristen a cook? Like... <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... It's uh, it's crazy. Um, but then it also then transitions to this whole idea... That last... The fight in the last episode with Kelly and Kristen. <laughs> over the fact... You're not the host. Like, she she wants to be, like, hosting... All because Luann and, and Kelly were getting into this fight about the Rangers game. And Kristen would be like, hold up, guys. Like, we don't understand, like, what you're talking about. And then had Luann explain it. And Kelly was so upset that, like, Kristen was, like, guiding. Con- like, she was, like, as if she was, like, guiding conversation or, like. But, like, also, have you seen this show? Like, I, I know that we're not supposed to reference the fourth wall. But there are cameras here. There are people behind those cameras who are watching this at home Yeah, who need to follow the conversation. And if you're not being clear enough for the people in the room to follow it, then they are definitely not following it. So I need you to stop and I need you to breathe and I need you to explain this because I don't fucking get it. Yeah. And then Kelly being like, look, you could have just pulled Luann aside and asked her what happened. And Chris had to be like. I just did that. Like, what are you talking? Like, not in the way that you wanted me to. It got to such that point when they had that conversation by, like, the fire pit or whatever before they were going to go out. Mm -hmm. Where, like, to that dinner. Where Kelly literally says at one point, we don't need your commentary. And I was telling you, you know, I was like, why do you think she's there? Like, do you want her to just be a plant in the corner? Like, she, like, 
You don't want her commentary? Are we just supposed to she, pan across the room and Kristen's in the background with like two leaves? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like I don't think I think the producers want Kristen to talk because right, like why would they want her to not say anything? Well, and then Kelly also at one point goes, "You're you're Kristen Takeman. You're not Andy Cohen." His name's Andy Cohen, <laughs> and and she's like, "Is Andy here? Is he here? Where is he?" <laughs> so fucking good it's like uh and then and then it gets and then it loops dorinda into it at one point and then i love dorinda calling her cunty (laughs) you're being cunty it's cunty and then kelly being like i don't like that word dorinda's like well i do british (laughs) (laughs) it's so great uh and then like again then they get to that dinner and then it the whole Kristen's the the ashley madison thing comes up again and then kelly makes it a thing about like i'm a single mother and like like almost shitting on Kristen for staying with her husband as if it's an insult to her and it's like what like like she she was mad at Kristen for for Kristen saying that she had like done like had worked yeah because Kelly had to raise her kids on her own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, that doesn't invalidate the fact that Kristen has a wife or a husband that is also working. So, like, that doesn't change. Like, you were in different situations. That's all. Yeah. Like, stop trying to invalidate other people. You're, you're, this is not women supporting women. <laughs> to quote Ramona. <laughs> yeah. It was so, and then like, yeah, it was so fucking fascinating. My favorite part from that dinner as well, they're just talking about like misconceptions about themselves. Kelly's like, most people think of me as like, and she's pausing and Sonia goes, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the, like my favorite parts are like when Sonia will just like pipe in with a word or just like, like, like it's like, she, and I'm not trying to minimize it. It's like she has Tourette's and like can't almost like, like she, anything or the, just no filter. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when it immediately comes in her head, she vocalizes it out of her mouth. Right. It's so fucking funny. Um, some of the other like sort of random stuff from these three episodes that I really loved. The fact that it got to the point where it just kind of was became an advertisement for cameo at a certain point. The Honestly. amount of times they talk about how much they do cameos and like. Well, the fact that Ramona, Luann, and Sonia were all doing different cameos at the same time in that van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like nobody's going to be able to understand what the fuck you're saying. Stop it. Yeah, no, no, no. But it, the fact that it, it feels like that's their living now at this point, which I mean, yeah. like. I get if good on you, but, but also like, Sonia, honey, <laughs> if you're making twenty thousand dollars a month on Cameo, why are you couch surfing? That, that's my question. I know go me, to a Motel Six. Well, I know something. I know New York is expensive, but like still, like it's like that's a you know that's enough to like get something. You can go to Queens and get a loft. You yeah. don't have to stay in Manhattan. No. Like <laughs> Tribeca's up and coming, I hear. Yeah, from someone. Uh, um, oh, the, I forgot when the Kelly uh, Kristen fight is happening by that fireplace. The best part about 
this is that right before Dorinda decides to watch Scary Island for the first time as she's, oh my doing, God. As she's doing her makeup and it like baffles her. And I love that she's like, as this fight is happening with Kristen Kelly, she's like going out to everyone to be like, did you see this? Like, have you seen this thing? And like going over the like game plan of like how to handle Kelly if she like goes off as Kelly is literally going off. <laughs> also, speaking of Dorinda. Can we talk about her room? Oh my god, the fucking fu- I look, I get it. That room was confusing. I would have had like post-its on the doors. Yeah. Get me post-it notes. <laughs> I'm writing a note on each door as to what is behind it. This this villa is so fucking weird to me. I'm it's it's like from another universe. You have well, it's weird. You have this stuff with Dorinda's room, right? Like and, and, and she's in one of the bungalows, right? No, no, no. Uh, Kristen and Luann are in the bungalows. Okay. But they're like, oh, I'd like the bungalows. It's like to yourself, so whatever. But the problem they didn't realize is that every time they fucking leave, they have to go up these fucking giant flight of stairs. Poor Kristen was like climbing up <sighs> the stairs at one point. Like, <laughs> I felt like she was about to be on her hands and knees. Yeah. It was like, oh, uh, yeah, it was bad planning on their part. But yeah, it's like a fucking like mate, weird maze. Dorinda says at one point it looks like the Guggenheim. Well, the first time she gets lost, she's looking for the bathroom. Yeah. And that in and of itself, if like I'm someone who had because of my autism, like I don't know that I have to pee until I really have to pee. So if I'm searching for the I'm I'm just going outside. Yeah. I'm not after I've tried three doors, I'm done. We're not doing this anymore. Not not happening. Yeah. Speaking of going outside, also the fact, well, one, the fact that I have seen Sonya's ass so much this fucking. Uh, not just episodes. ass. Not just ass, but also th- I, I have questions because there's. She's been flashing her quote unquote pretty kitty. Pretty kitty. But like they fluctuate when they show Sonya's ass and when they blur it. Like it's, unless I, it's like. I think it's depending on how much space there is between the cheeks. Yeah. That might be it. But also the fact that one time she just decides to skinny dip instead of taking a shower. She's like, it's salt water. Like, that's not how that works, ma'am. <laughs> like, yeah. It, like, salt does not replace soap. Yeah. But that's the, here's the, going back to it, that's the Sonia I love. <laughs> like, it's not a Sonia, it's not a tropical vacation on Roni unless Sonia's getting naked in the pool. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that she, that moment where she's like, I bring like plastic filled ba- plastic bags to fucking dinner so I don't have to like you know, get like takeout. You, you're not even bringing like a, like a, a, like you're bringing Ziplocs. You're not even bringing like Tupperware. Like bring Tupperware. Yeah. Like that at least makes sense. Why are you bringing Ziplocs? No. Yeah. <laughs> God. It's so, yeah. Oh God! There was just so much in these like first three episodes. I just, I just really loved it. It was so. Yeah. We're gonna be breaking it down every week as well, uh, sort of more in depthly. But like, yeah, for really, really great stuff. Like overall, with uh, these first three episodes. So again, this is gonna be my new go-to, like sort of fun thing to watch every week. I feel absolutely. Let's get into uh, this last half of the season of survivor post merge yeah let's break it down so let's you know we'll uh say on the offset sort of congratulations to the winner congratulations to d i thought a very deserving winner um i agree i thought i mean going into the going into the final five she was the clear favorite but i also thought she nailed it in terms of at least the finale speech i'll say this she beat some tough you know uh 
forces against her in terms of Survivor because how did Austin get three votes? Yeah. And I honestly, I think each one of the final five had a path to the to win. Sure. I think each one of the five had an argument. And if they had gotten to final fire, you know, the final tribal, that they could have argued a case. I think Jake argued a good case. And if Austin hadn't been next to D, his argument was very good. It start, he did good in the first half of his pitch. My problem was D gets him in the, like D, like, when he when D catches him on the, you're just finding out right now that I did tell Julie about the fact that you had planned to like send her home. Yeah. And that's how we flipped the vote onto Emily. Like to me, like once Austin got that egg on his face, his game was over. Yeah, I think and the idea that three people then went on to vote for him to win. Yeah, it was like what the fuck. I also think that um, Jake's downfall was when he let that back and forth. That continued back and forth between D and Austin I, happened without ever jumping in on that conversation. I feel so bad because there were a couple times where, there were a couple questions that were just directed to D and Austin. Yeah, like in terms of their dynamic, and it was like, yeah, you're kind of leaving Jake out, and that's a little frustrating. Um, like you're not giving him a path; he has to be asked questions. But honestly, if I'm Jake, I'm jumping in to answer those questions. Yeah, I'm jumping in to relate those questions back to myself. I'm not letting these two over talk me. Right. I'm fighting for a million dollars here. Screw those two. Yeah. I wonder how if how confident Jake was in being able to sort of deliver a story. I think he had very much fun with it at the end of the day. Like yeah. there was a personality that he like and I, I actually really like Jake, like as much as as laughable as he can be at times and how like nothing really the went Boston his way. accent. Yeah, the Boston accent helped a lot. Um But, but he like, was also pretty. Yeah. Oh, Jake. But, like, the fact that nothing went his way, like, didn't have, like, it could have been, like, a good, like, I was, here's the thing. I was very worried in many ways because I, I believe, I was, like, he's getting a winner's edit. Yeah. In in many regards. We're, there was so much focus on him, like, throughout the process where it's, like, oh, th- could it be, like, this, like, laughable loser who didn't really get any, like, wanted all the, he kept being like, he wanted all these big moves and kept trying and trying, but never executing them. And honestly, it was weird because he was getting a winner's edit. Austin, to a certain degree, was getting a winner's edit. Where was D's edit? D's edit wasn't that, there was moments of it, but it wasn't as strong as some of the others. It really felt like, it feels like the, the production of Survivor these days is, actively trying to obscure who is going to win instead of actually making a case for it. I mean, yes and no. Like, I think also like, I mean, they did that with Gabler. Well, the Gabler thing just came out of fucking nowhere. And I, but but according to the people on the Island, it didn't (sighs) according to the people on the Island, he deserved it. I can't imagine that. I thought and it that, just didn't come out in the edit. I thought that Gabler win was such bullshit. Uh, not to like I, that was forty three, right? Did we review that season? I no. don't think we did. The, like, th- yeah, that was, that Gabler win was such bullshit. I would have been more ha- like, like, would I have been happy if Jake won this season? Yes, but I also would have felt that it would felt would have felt in certain ways like the Gabler win. And I think, but like, I didn't because they gave him the edit, and they they lay, they spent so much time showing his effort and showing what he was doing in this whole second half of the season was really like 
honestly, the Jake and Emily show. Mm. Those were the two that were getting winners at it. Yeah. Emily going at final seven was shocking. It was shocking. I need her. I need her to come back on another season and railroad that shit because she deserves a win. That bitch is made to win Survivor. The way her brain works, the way that, like, she just, I I love her as a, and I know I was hard on her at the very beginning. Well, because she was getting a, I mean, it was her actions, but it was also like, she was getting the edit of like, you're going to hate this person, like the first two episodes. Well, but also I think part of that was, I'm just going to say it, Tism Watch, like, she's on the spectrum, clearly, like, maybe she's not, but I think she is, Um, and she's clearly had struggles with communicating in a way that everyone else was going to relate to. Yeah. And while that was problematic at the very beginning, and she was putting off some dog whistles at the very beginning, she was number one, it wasn't intentional because she didn't know anything behind them. Yeah. And number two, the second she was called on it, she corrected that. So like, and then everything from like episode two or three, two or three, yeah. Um, everything from then on, every action she made was the action of a winner. Yeah, like she, by all accounts, should have won this season. Yeah, in the way that, in the way that Jake didn't have anything going his way, Emily really did have a lot going her way towards the tail end, and it also oh God, it also made the. Well, it was frustrating in the sense that the Emily vote was kind of very simple in many regards. Like, it was very much a, someone knows that they're being targeted, they play an idol on themselves, negate all their votes, and they decide it. It was like, I was happy that it was like, not this like millions of advantages, and we're splitting up the tribes into two different tribals, and so some people can vote, and some people can't vote, and some other people lose their vote. I've been getting sick of that with this like, yeah. new age of Survivor. So the one week where we get like sort of a normal episode in terms of like the format of that, Emily goes home. I was like, but it was also a stray. It was also a stray vote. Sure, because it was literally just. Julie sending Julie sending, and... sending just some random person that wasn't her home. Yeah. Well, she, she got hit by a stray bullet. Yeah. Well, and she was conflicted because D wanted things to go a certain way and she wanted to take out Austin, which I now that I think about it, Julie fucked up. She should have taken out Austin in that vote. Yeah. Because like if she didn't if the the whole trajectory would be different and then it would be D and Julie at the very least in the end. Right. Maybe Julie would not have won, but like still. Like I think yeah. I, I I wish that would have kind of gone a different way because I th- well and then I think Austin pretty much wins most of everything after that if I remember correctly except for the final uh, immunity that was D um in that fucking uh, challenge where fucking Jake breaks the goddamn um, oh my god <laughs> when he was so frustrated <laughs> which like I I I was like oh god this is turning <laughs> in in a way but they didn't really like dwell on it in certain regards no and. And he he wasn't mad at anyone but himself for breaking the chat. Like it was just I'm frustrated that I can no I have no more agency in this yeah. in this competition. Can I also rant about something? Sure. And and you and I disagree on this slightly. Okay. Then no, you're not allowed. <laughs> yeah. The cha- the final five immunity challenge where they have to stack. It ends with them having to stack those like 
things or whatever. And it gets to a point where Jake miss like one of Jake's pieces is hiding behind like a certain thing and he doesn't realize it. I wish Jeff didn't tell him at the end. I wish Jeff didn't be like, by the way, cause I can't leave this hanging. You, you completely forgot that there was a piece here. I would have let that lie. Why? Because it's kind of mean <laughs> for, well, but also, well, it's kind of mean in the moment, but then it's also mean after the fact, because I also think like, I would imagine, like I do, here's the thing. I think I've realized I'm a sadist with this show. We've yeah. come to that conclusion. Uh-huh. I was like, wouldn't it be much fun if Jake was like watching it at home and saw that in real time and didn't know until then? Uh huh. He also had the comments of, "I think there's too many food rewards on this show." I was like, "They now. are not emaciated enough as much as they used to be." They, they haven't. They nearly... need to. Go, they need to go back to 39 days, and they need to be emaciated. <laughs> they have three grains of rice to last three months. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, but they do do a lot of food rewards. Like, I I think more than usual, it, if, at least from my memory of Survivor, it used to be like you get a you get a raw whole like if you get a reward, right? You get a raw whole fish or whatever, and you have to cook it and you have to split it among like eight people or whatever. But like this, it's like <laughs> it's like everything is like a pizza party. Sure, but they also. We're having people pass out in the middle of challenges. You know, like, what was that one challenge where they had, like, three people that were... Sure. And one of them ended up going home? Like, it was a problem. But that was more about water, wasn't it, than food? It all plays a part. Sure. Like, you... Like, these people... Are, <laughs> no. They, they have <laughs> to have at least enough food to have some level of health sure sure they're they're not gonna get like buku like they still are eating less than we are maybe it's just the presentation of it because again we don't get the ponderosas afterwards where they would weigh themselves like post right. like pre and post and we would see the difference like it just when i was when they were at like final five i saw them and i'm like jake looks like he's just started this game like but fucking- he doesn't look back at day one he had at least 20 or 30 pounds on who he was at the end. Sure. That's a lot for 29 days, whatever it is now. Yeah, I guess that's true. Again, I've, I, th- I literally think I'm a sadist. And to me, I'm just like, go back to when reality shows were mean to people and like, like tortured them. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no different strokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause see, I saw that and I was like, Oh, no, he's not going to see that. He's going to beat himself up. He's going to think he's crazy the rest of this game. Like, this is not right. I really hope his mental health is well. And then Jeff points it out, and I'm like, oh, good. And then Eamon's like, I wish he didn't do that. And I'm like, hold up. (laughs) You want him to spiral? You want him? Yes. No, this guy is the most, like, Television rating. No, 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 no. See, look, if if it was D... Or Austin, or Drew, or any of the other people who are front runners in the game, I would have been, yeah, sure, let them spiral. Jake's too fragile. Jake is too sweet. He's a cinnamon roll. <laughs> like he's 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 just he's cute in, in a gobble gobble gobble. Like I don't. That's not no. You don't be mean to the cute ones. Sure. He's too. It's like kicking a puppy. You can't do that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Were there any other highlights from sort of like the second half of the season? 
um the the Bruce going home was very satisfying. I do remember that. Like sort uh-huh. of I, I, line. I really wish that he had actually been put into like a slingshot and just yeeted out into the ocean. <laughs> um that he seems like a nice enough guy in real life, but like I don't know. Oh, the Drew blind side was fun. Oh, the Drew blind side was great. That was the best episode, I would say, in terms of like just because he was going on and there was like extended stuff. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. of like him throwing a fit at camp oh that's right he was pissed well he got pissed when he got a yeah he got very he was very pissed you could tell it was great seeing somebody just like not say goodbye to everybody and just like walking off like somewhat upset um i also wish that d and julie had done a little bit more theater in their acting like they were no longer together on things because to me how did austin not know that d told julie because they didn't do anything to like highlight that they weren't friends anymore there was no blow up there was no we aren't talking to there was no ice there was nothing like when people had written down julie's name before she had legitimately gone off on them yeah do you not think that it would have been a nuclear explosion if that had really happened with D, you were saying that they should have done a fake thing where they pulled them, like they went to the side after that vote and just were screaming at each other. And I was like, to me, I would think it was fake if I was at the other people. Yeah, sure. Maybe you would have, but I don't think they would have in that moment that had been, that would be on track with how Julie had reacted to people putting her name down in the past. And especially with it being her number one and everybody knew it was her number one. And we know that D wrote her name down because it was unanimous except for, except for Julie's vote. Yeah. I will say, I wish they were giving, wish we got more of what I thought they were kind of like doing, which was like a Julie's going crazy edit. Like she kept like there were a couple scenes where like she was giving a lot of like crazy like eyes and like crazy like sort of like I'm gonna be the rogue agent that like goes you don't know what I'm gonna do and right I, and I would would have really loved to see that sort of like progress more and more. I also think we would have gotten maybe a little bit more. It felt very rushed, except for the final stretch yeah. that last three hour thing. Um. But it, everything else felt very rushed. I really wish they would go back. Are they still on? No, they are on the 90-minute episodes now, aren't yeah. they? It doesn't feel like it. Like, for some reason, it still feels rushed. Go two hours, I guess, guys. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, or just get better at editing. Who knows? Yeah. Like, we don't need 80,000 challenges. That's not what Survivor's about. I mean, that's part of it. I need the interpersonal relationships. I need the turmoil. I need the backstabbing. I need the the scrambles. Okay. Why are there no advantages hidden other under the sit out benches anymore? Like why? Sure. And they have to like stealthily stuck stiff uh, stiff it uh, stuff it into their swimsuit. Well, they had the thing where it was like they had the one in the raft that. Yeah, but fun. he was able to go get it on his own. It wasn't during a challenge. Yeah. It wasn't that. Like, nobody got a hint that, oh, well, this advantage is going to be hidden in your lane. 
on this challenge, so you have to pick it up stealthily. Can like I, we didn't get any of that. You and you mentioning that also made me. Re- I think what the what the whole like me being a sadist sort of thing about the you know the eating and stuff like that. I I don't think I would mind it if we saw more of like them struggling at camp. We yeah. don't. I think nowadays we don't see enough of them like. Can they build fire? And maybe, especially not this season, we didn't really get a sense of who is building the fire, who is leading the camp, how are they surviving? Like, how are they, like, is is someone fishing? Is someone, like, you know, you know, how are they, like, what is the process like? And and I feel like they need, I need more of that. I don't yeah. necessarily need them to starve, but I need to see that they are struggling. Right. Well, what was happening with the yellow, what was the yellow tribes called at the uh, Lulu. Lulu. What was happening with Lulu when they were losing every fucking challenge? They never got their flint. They never got fishing gear. Yeah, and they would talk about it, but we would never see, like, them the struggle of it. Like, it was more like a, they told us and not showed us. Right. And it's like, do, do more of that. Give us more of that. Like, give us the scramble. Give us the, give us those sorts of things. Those are more iconic to Survivor than the challenges. Right. I can do with less challenges. Like, give us the immunity challenge every week, fine. But I don't need an immunity and a reward challenge. Give us a reward on the immunity challenge. Yeah. I'm cool with that. But, like, just don't take out all the interpersonal workings of the gameplay in favor of a a fucking, uh, what's it called when you go through the course uh obstacle course. obstacle courses it's like and it's all rehashing of the same shit like like that gets boring to me i don't give a shit about that i want to know about the interpersonal shit well and it was more that i would say like cut like the journeys and like like when they would have to journey and do some like puzzle or something like that stuff i don't care about i agree like that's yeah um that was survivor 45 really i would say overall really good season i would say better than some of the more oh yeah some ones as well it, it's to me, the best of the new era yeah. since 41. I would agree. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Married to Medicine. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry... We use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites. Fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 
100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on over to California where Dr. Jackie talks to the White House and Quad gets told to go back to her house on Married to Medicine. Married to Medicine for this week. Oh my God, we have so much to say. It's going to get deep. (laughs) I will say this was a good episode. There wasn't a lot of stuff necessarily in this episode after like the first like, you know, half or so maybe. But like... I think a lot of it is sort of also the dialogue outside of the show as well. It's like feeding into this and, and the quad stuff is big. Like I still like there was a big sense to like what happened with this quad stuff. I will say that I think quad just didn't realize she was going to be on this episode too. Because she said she was going to be on two more episodes. And she appears, she's going to be She's going to appear on another episode later. Yeah, so, and here's the thing, I hope there's a way to fix it and, like, get her back on. I hope there is too, but I don't think there is. Yeah. Um, And we'll get into sort of where we stand on Quad and, like, I'm, I'm... I'm very both sides about it. Like, I I see Quad's points in certain ways and then in other ways I don't. Like, and we'll get to it. Um, so we come back and they're still at the table and Heavenly and Quad are yelling at each other and Heavenly's like, fuck my shit, fuck your shit and doing all the, the the arguing. I love Simone going, is there any way to lower our voices so that Phaedra will have less of a hood perspective on our <laughs> authentic personalities? <laughs> and they all crack up laughing. Uh, Toya goes, look, I still don't think that what you're saying is, and Quad goes, resonating. And Toya's like, yeah. Like, but also it's like Quad... Do you understand what you're like? You're saying that you understand that like it's not resonating, but I think you think it does. There's a comment later where I'm like, the the problem this entire time has been that Quad can't just accept her own part of things. It has right. to be, yeah, but you did. It has to be, I. I'm not accepting that I did this without also pointing out that you did that. Those two things need to be separate because at the end of the day, you apologizing should have nothing to do with whether the other girls apologize. It should have everything to do with whether you believe you were in the wrong. Yes. And if you refuse to acknowledge that, whether they were also in the wrong or not, if you refuse to acknowledge that you went low, we can't move forward because you then feel justified to do it again. Here's the other thing. And and again, it's like what we talked about last week with this like fourth wall element of it as well. I think Quad I think Quad can address her hurt if she's more specific about it. Cuz I think she's talking about like when when it comes to the point of where it's it's sort of the surface level of what we're seeing on the show of like you weren't there for me etc then it becomes this back and forth of like well you didn't you weren't available to us and so it's like a 
dynamic. I wish so after this episode aired, Quad was on Carlos King, and she was. I did not watch this interview. I only saw clips, mainly because I don't want to platform Carlos King. Sure. But, like, she was very specific on certain things in this interview that I wish was brought up on this show. Some of the things I understand it's more difficult to talk about. But one of the things I wish I feel like it could have talked about it in a way. She brings up that, like, one of the big turning points for her was the season six reunion, which was after her and Greg got divorced. And they did the whole sit down with Greg, Quad, and Andy, right? And right. it was very confrontational. And Quad brought up, like, the very intense like abuse allegations about like not just emotional but physical abuse as well right and you know it, and greg says there was stuff as well that like she pulled a knife on him like there, there's mutual Which she copped to right but just, she claims out of self-defense and it, it sure it's you know it's but she cites very specific things about abuse and one of the things that she said that was really illuminating to her in terms of the dynamic of the friendships was that when they came back as a group to then do a segment with everyone and Andy asked the group, what did you think of what you just saw with Greg and them with Greg and quad and the like Contessa, if I, I watched the clip back, Contessa brings up like, it's, you know, hearing that there was abuse like that, I wouldn't have never told them to get back together. And then Mariah is very much like, well, wait, 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 let's not throw out sort of like, accusations and andy's like but i thought i think that's what they said and Toya's also like sort of like well we don't know about physical abuse etc and really the only one that was really sticking up for her was heavenly yeah in, in that in that discussion like and i can understand how frustrating that is and how and, and definitely i can understand why the toya thing gets severed at that point Right. There's no, like, it's it's very difficult to build anything with Toya at that point. Um, I think she could have brought it up here in the winery in a way that would have still protected the fourth wall in certain ways. Because I think the problem is she also can't talk about the part of, like, sweet tea's here. And right. you're welcoming her in and whatever about her. But because of that, you're welcoming Greg back in. Right. And it does, it just feels that you would prefer to be his friend over mine. And I think that that is a valid sticking point for somebody like Quad, where it's just very difficult to then build an emotional connection with somebody after that. I think the issue from the other side of that is that when there was mutual abuse yeah, on both of their parts, which was admitted to in that interview, right, then you can't really side with someone on the basis of that abuse and you kind of then have to throw it out the window Sure, and not necessarily act as if it never happened, but you can't use that as a weighing device. You can't use that as part of your decision-making on who you're siding with. And they were kind of forced to side with quad because she was still on the show but the guys were all still friends with Greg That's and were what, still bringing him around. Yeah. And so it never truly got severed. And I, and you never, and to the point, it's like, you don't know what the side the women are on truly. Right. You don't know what they truly believe because like you said, Quas they're in, in whether they're their friend or not is their coworker. Right. And you do have this underlying sense that they're really, what they're really close, who they're really close with is G. 
Right. And well, but that's the thing. They were friends with G for years before Quad came into the picture. Quad came into the picture like three seconds before season one started filming. Yeah. She's new. She's still new 10 years later in comparison. Right. So, like, I get it. Now, do I think they should have probably still sided with Quad? Yes. But do I understand why they didn't? Also, yes. Yeah. Jackie tells uh, Quad, accountability is necessary and it comes with action. And then Quad goes... I'm not here to force you to do anything. I can only state my heart and my heart posture is in the right place. And again, it, there, there is sort of the sense, I think the frustration for what I feel towards quad is just that like, she is like, I can only say like, like no, you can show in actions in certain, in certain right. regards, you know, uh, Toya is like, how do we trust the words coming out of your mouth when they aren't backed up by your actions? And then she brings up the accusations that quad made against her last year. Quad basically is like, I never said that you were robbing neighborhoods. They literally, yes, you did. They literally play the club of it. Like it's that's where I'm like, Quad's not taking ownership, right? And I think like, <laughs> here's the thing: Th- this happens on Married to Medicine a lot, not just with Quad. I think there is a struggle sometimes with them to take ownership of their own actions in many regards. It's part of the reason why I've never been the biggest Mariah fan in terms of arguments like, right. like what she contributes to this she's hilarious and she's right. a, in a, a, a tour de force on the show but i never got behind her with arguments because i never felt that mariah took accountability for stuff that she did and right well and it's so interesting because with this show being built around people in their careers right as opposed to housewives for example yeah which is built around just women who, whether they don't have careers or whether they have less traditional careers or what have you, right. they're not going to an office, you know, like OC, some of, you know, like Vicky famously with the insurance. But like most everybody else does not have a traditional job where they go to work, punch a time card. That sort of thing. So they don't really have to worry about repercussions. Toya's the only one that really gets down and dirty. Sure. Because she doesn't have anything to risk. Eugene's not going to lose his job over her being crazy. Yes. I mean, that was a little, that was touched on maybe in like the beginning of the series, like with the, when the fight with Mariah and Toya happened. But that's the reason. That, ball gowns. But that's the reason that Mariah was willing to go there too, because she was a producer on the show. Sure, she had nothing to lose. Who was going to fire her? Her? Yeah. You know, so she would go there and she would take it there. Quad wasn't going to lose anything, so she would go there and she would take it there. But then there was a shift when she got Sister Circle. Yeah, and she now had something to lose because of her actions. Well, that's the thing. And I also think, like, there's there needs to be a recognizing of, like, why... If Quad can explain why the sister circle thing happened, if she can link it to what she was saying about, like, what was happening at the reunion and how they were... How she felt that they were downplaying 
abuse that she had suffered at the hands of Gregory. Right. Then I think that that makes sense to people. And it can, here's the, I want to see what happens at the reunion because I think quad will be at the reunion. I think, I, I hope so. I, I would imagine. And she probably won't be there the whole time. Yeah. Well, sure. But she's I think, only in like five episodes. Yeah. But I think like it's necessary for her to be there because I think we need a moment outside of like you can break the fourth wall a little bit more at the reunion. Right. And get to the nitty gritty. And I think that's that's what needs to happen. Well, and I think if Quad was. The problem is, is that Quad ran. Sure. She didn't show up to confront. She decided I'm just going to wash my hands of it. And walked away. And that's not... And that's, number one, Bravo don't fuck with that shit. They don't put up with that. You signed a contract, get your ass here and and clock in. It's time to work. But, number two, it doesn't make for good TV. There's a conflict and you're refusing to address it. And she's never addressed it. Well, and you're talking about you're talking about like the, the sweet tea being brought on. No, and the sort I'm of... talking about everything since she split up with Greg. She sure. has never fully addressed any of her problems with the group. She just lashes out. Yeah, that's fair. And and maybe it's hurtful to bring that up, but I think again, it's gonna it's when you have Greg there. And you have this sort of like dynamic in front of you. Fuck him! Bring it up in front of him. No, no, no. What? I, no, what? I. That's what, the squeaky toy attacked me. Whether he, no, she doesn't necessarily even have to bring it up in front of her. <laughs> but like, I think like when Sweet Tea and like the, it's really Sweet Tea being on the show as shady as it is yeah. from producers or Heavenly allegedly like at, choose like thinking that she should be on like. It has a lot. It has allowed an opportunity in which to broach this deeper issue that Quad might have, right, with the group. And so Quad take that didn't opportunity, take it. right? And she instead decided to just walk away. And it's like, well, that's not how you make good TV. You are here for one purpose, and that is to make good TV. And if you refuse to do that, you can take your ass home. Sure. Uh, Toya says, "Look, my family and me were going through torture," and Quad goes. Well, I've been in the same boat. You know, this hasn't been a cakewalk for me. And Heavenly's like, you're playing victim and you're not owning your shit. Like, I, and again, it's just this continuation of Quad just centering it without, exp- centering herself without explaining. Right. Like, and, and that's the frustration, I think, for me. <laughs> Fucking sweet tea in her confessional is like, Quad might as well be a pig on the table with an apple in her mouth because it's a grill session. I don't yet know if Sweet Tea fits in with this group. You you don't. I don't know if Sweet Tea's made for reality television. You don't grill an entire pig. You roast an entire pig. Sure. If you grill an entire pig, the top half of it's not going to get done. Yeah. This is cooking. <laughs> cooking. <laughs> Spit roasting pigs 101 with a gay in his envy. <laughs> that, that can be that, many that, ways. That sounds like a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Simone then breaks it down. Again, as it be after dark. Yeah. Simone then breaks it down and goes, when you are not fucking with us all year long, and then conveniently you pop in because some events are happening, meaning the show. Right. It comes off as disingenuous, opportunistic. So I tell you, longevity means you make friends, not at events. And... I, that's what I mean. It's like there's a way to weave the fourth wall into it. Like, and Simone's kind of doing that here, and I think Quad is capable of doing it, you know, when it comes to this other stuff. I think Quad's just tired. I don't think she ever wanted to come back, and she was forced to come back. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, I think that's what happened. I think she had already signed her contract for this season before she found out about Greg and Sweet Tea coming back. And then she wanted to walk. They wouldn't let her. And she came back and decided to stonewall. Yeah. And just, I'm not going to be good TV, so you can either send me home and let me out of my contract, or I will tank the season. Yeah. Um, Quad talks in the confessional about, like, wanting the friendships to how they used to be, and that she hasn't had those, like, intimate girl times in a long time, and then goes, I don't know what happened throughout the years. It's like the love was fake and the hate was real. It's like, okay. I, I, I think it's more complicated than that. Um, Toya tell, says that she's not at a place of forgiveness yet, but then she goes, but I know tomorrow's a very important day and I would love to be surrounded by people that trust and support me. And I'm like, Oh God. Um, and so they sort of end the dinner, this dramatic music that was in the background as they transit. It was like, it was like evanescence or something. It was like weird for like married to medicine. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, but then they, the OGs basically, well, the OGs and Phaedra then go to Toya's room to talk about sort of like what happened afterwards. Um, <laughs> I love it. Just dramatic music buildup. They enter Toya's room and you just hear heavily going, it smells like weed in here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Phaedra asks like what the resolution is like for everybody um, and how do they fix it? Heavenly uh, raises Jackie's hand and goes, I'm raising her hand for a reason. Because I get tired of her telling me how stupid I am for giving Quad second chances and third chances. I also thought I, there was someone who brought up a very interesting point. Um, I think it probably hurt. Quad does talk later about how it particularly hurts from Heavenly what happens at the end of this. Like that Heavenly is involved in this. Because, and, and I thought it was a fair point. Remember last season when Contessa did the intervention with Heavenly mm-hmm. and like plastered, plastered everything? Quad did stand up for Heavenly to a certain regard about I you can be upset about this in terms of that, but the way in which you are doing it to Heavenly is not right and it's not a friend thing to like she says something about the effect of of, of it wasn't about getting to Heavenly, it was about getting Heavenly. And like she makes such a point of that last season. And I can see how this could be very triggering for Quad that it's kind of Heavenly didn't really factor that in because it just it ends up what happens ends up feeling really harsh in in certain regards, even though I understand why it happened. Sure. But again, I think the issue is that Heavenly was showing up to work. Quad didn't give a fuck anymore. Sure. And there's, uh, I mean, here, look, and they had been trying to get through to Heavenly about her bullshit for a while. Sure. And it wasn't getting through, and I think she needed something big and dramatic like what Contessa did in order for it to register. Um, do I still think that it was the right or wrong thing to do? Yeah, probably. But I think it needed to be something on that scale Yeah. in order for it to click. Even though it didn't click immediately, it clicked later. Um. I do think that the gravity of this is what was needed to get through to quad. I mean, maybe, but we don't know if that'll even happen. No, we don't. But I think that if anything has a chance to, it's this. I think Heavenly says something to that degree or either either Heavenly or Phaedra says something to that effect. Um, Simone's like, I can be cordial, but I guess it just boils down to, do we have anything to offer quad? Right. Which, yeah. 
Um, and then Toya says, like, we'll just, I'll just call, call Quad, tell her to come over. This is, a, like, 11 at night or whatever. Yeah. They said it was, like, 11 at night, and then it went into, like, 1 o'clock until, like, it ended, which, like, that. Because it, it seemed like it was two seconds. It yeah. was walk in and go home. Quad comes over. Simone, at, like, Simone's, like, downing herself, though, as, like, Quad, like, because she's, like, I'm wondering if we should just, like, get some rest and, like, think about this. Because, like, Simone's, like, this is going to be definitive, like, if, if we're going to do this. Um, Quad arrives, uh, they set her down and Simone just goes, so Quad, basically we have decided none of us have an emotional connection with you. It's just not going to work. We're going to ask you to leave this trip. And I saw a lot of people upset that Simone was delivering this. It did kind of, I understand why Toy, I understand their logic as to why Toya didn't do it. But it did feel like a cop-out on Toya's part. It didn't need to come from Toya. Because it was never going to come. The thing is, is that it needed to come from Simone if Quad was ever going to take it seriously. Sure. She never would have. She would have said, this is all Toya, if it was coming from Toya. She would have said, Toya's manipulating everybody else if it came from Toya. Heavenly would not have been able to do it concisely. Yeah. And you know Jackie didn't want to do it. Well, and Hev- and Phaedra didn't have any place to. Sure. Because she had just gotten there. Yeah. It like, has to be With Simone. all the players, it makes sense. I'm just like, like Toya, there's a moment later the next day where Toya's on the, uh, calling Eugene and telling him about it. Yeah. And then the confessional. And Toya makes a point to reiterate. But just remember, like, everyone else had their own separate issues with, like, like, because Eugene was like, I'm glad they rallied behind you. But they're like, but Toya was making such a point to be like, well, it was everyone's issues and we all came together as a unit. It wasn't them supporting me. Like, right. it was kind of as if, like, Toya was like. Well, because she knew it was her trip. Like, it's her trip. So sending her home from her trip. Sure. But you can argue that Toya even led the discussion as early as a couple episodes ago about, like, this. And, like. Sure. But Toya's also. Nobody else was going to bring this up. Sure. That's fair. Um, Quad is like, well, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I hate this is where we are. I hoped I would get the opportunity to show you all differently. And then she goes, because I really thought that the resurrection was me trying to start again with y'all. And the way the music just goes, <laughs> like, and Girl. say what? <laughs> and then Simone just straight up tells Quad, the resurrection was an epic failure. <laughs> and Toya just starts cracking up laughing. It's like, who? I mean, there is no, there's no world in which she truly thought that went well. I, I, I can't imagine. Like, but, if she did, she has to be delusional. Yeah. Quad then goes, please acknowledge, you know, I've been hurt by our group as well. And then Simone goes, yes. I think you've made it clear, though, over the years about all the hurt that we've caused you. And I think tonight was one of the first nights that we were able to express how much hurt you've caused us. Because normally I feel like you don't hear it. You flip the table right back around to yourself. And then Quad goes, because I've also been hurt. And Simone goes, right. (laughs) It was very much the reaction of, you, and this is what we're talking thank about. Thank you for proving what I just said. <laughs> but you see why it had to be Simone? Yeah. Because anyone else would have clapped back. 
Nobody else would have been this gentle with her. Gentle yet firm. Yeah. Everyone else, this would have gone left. Right. Um, Except maybe Jackie. Maybe Jackie, but yeah, it's, yeah. Um, They all, well, Quad says, y'all have a good night and and leaves. Um, Quad Air Confessional is just like, my head feels like it's in a blender right now. Like, damn. It's like, how quick do we flip? Y'all don't remember me? And then she starts, like, tearing up. And I got kind of emotional. Like, it was. Oh, yeah. Like, as much as Quad, like, can put on an emotion like that, it felt very, like, visceral and genuine to me. And I do feel like she, I feel like she wants to be part of this group. But there has been so much hurt and so much drama and she just doesn't know where to start with healing it. Yeah. And it doesn't change the fact that this is where she wants to be, but I think she's starting to realize that that's no longer possible. Right. Um, she, the net, we get to the next morning. Cause I was like, Oh my God, they're making her leave in the middle of the night, but no, they let her sleep. And then the next morning quads like eating breakfast and then they, and then packing up to leave. She says to herself, that wasn't a tennis match. It was like a football pile up. Um, and then she says, Eric Professional, I most certainly expect this from Toya. Heavenly, on the other hand, I'm your friend. She shouldn't do me. She didn't do me like that. Um, she mentioned that, you know, I've stood for the women for this group multiple times. And then we do see flashbacks of like when she was there um, for Simone to try to help her find her dad and like um, the being there for Jackie through the Curtis stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was, it, it was a lot. Like, it was, like, very, you know, it it speaks to the to the longevity of this show and the history of this show that it did feel really emotional and, like, it, it was sad. It was sad in many regards. I mean, but you can't, there has been no other show on Bravo that has had this stability of casting over a decade. Yeah. Like, most, like, there have been... Five of the five of these women that have been there since the second season, right? And even Heavenly makes an appearance in the first season. She's at that party where the ball gown fight happens. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But she, so it was. But it's it, it it's a tight knit group in in the community even before yeah. the show. So it's like, yeah, like it, it yeah, it makes it th- these moments feel that much bigger. Yeah, in many regards. Um, the next morning, and and uh, some of them are facetiming their husbands to tell them about like everything that happened. Um, we then go to Jackie's room, and she's getting ready to go on her Zoom uh, with Vice President Kamala Harris. She's with Heavenly sort of talking about it. She says at one point, I'm nervous to represent black women, black OBGYNs, and I just want to get it right. Like, And she's like, because, you know, when you're with the vice president, it's a big deal. Okay, so let's get into this. Because um, this kind of t- – <laughs> the fact that she said that in this episode also is – a lot. Um, so there's been a lot of discussion after this episode because there was a lot of um, – I didn't know how to take it originally um, when I had seen some of the stuff coming out because it felt a little cor- – here's the thing. It's hard because it's like with this quad stuff, like it feels like a lot of people are sort of like coming out of the woodwork to like drag certain people and say like, you mm-hmm. know, all that stuff. And also like a lot of like Mariah fan – because – People were pointing out that Mariah's always had, like, an issue with Jackie sort of, like, under the surface. And, like, Mar- Mariah's been saying that, like, Jackie's, like, an undercover 
not not to she's like an undercover bitch and like can be like very like I don't think anybody is surprised that Jackie can be a bitch. She's yeah. just classy with her shade. Yeah. Like, she's been shady since day one. Like, nobody is surprised by we this. We joke about it, but I don't think she's, like, this pristine person by any means. I mean, she's clearly the Claire Huxtable of the group, yeah. right? Claire Huxtable will read a bitch down, but she will never lower herself to their level. And that's how Jackie is. Yeah. Jackie's not going to get in your face and scream, but she will make you feel like an ant. Right. But like so, there there was this clip that was going around. I from the stuff I was reading, I think it was from like three years ago, um, where she was on a live stream with Heavenly, one of mm-hmm. Heavenly's. God, nothing good can come from a Heavenly live stream. <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> um, where they were talking about this, and and Jackie, like right before we recorded, Jackie released a statement about this when it was going viral, um, saying that this was like a two hour long conversation and that this part is being taken out of context. This is what Jackie says. But that it was basically people were critiquing it because it was her essentially blaming black mothers and saying that they were like saying that they were overreacting to symptoms and that's why they were not being believed and kind of putting the onus on them, which is not medically accurate. Right. You know, it's not the case of what actually is happening. You know, black women are dying more and they're not being believed because of a racist system that downplays black women's pain right literally like doctors are trained to believe that black women do over over inflate their symptoms and over inflate their pain and all of those sorts of things right even though that's not true like even like not even that long ago we used to believe that infants couldn't feel pain and they would do surgery on infants without any anesthesia. Yeah. Um, they literally still in some cases believe that black people have a higher pain, a pain tolerance than, than anybody else. Like, it's and not just, just and not just, and not just everyday, like casual, like people, like there's textbooks that like literally know. that are still being taught today in medical school. Right. Here's my, here's my stance on it. I think what Jackie said in this clip is completely wrong. Without a doubt. Right. It's, it's, a, it's an incorrect viewpoint of like, and I, I would love to know when she says it was taken out of context, what she means by that. Right. I would love to know the context of that statement. Right. My thing is I can also give space to, to give Jackie the benefit of the doubt. I can give space to the where she may have evolved on this issue. If this was from three years ago. And to me, the concept of black maternal mortality, while it may have been, while it might not be an excuse because Jackie herself is a black woman and, you know, black people have been knowing about this for much longer than most of mainstream society has in many ways. Right. Like, I can understand that it's not, that a lot has been learned over the, even the last couple of years in terms of this issue. And while Jackie is a black woman, she is also a doctor. First and foremost. Well, and she's and also like, someone raised in a racist society. Right. And black and people being taught, are not. And being taught by those same textbooks and right, those same things exactly. that we mentioned. Like black people are not immune to being like having anti-black racism like put onto them and like into their. They're still raised in a white supremacy society. Right. And so like. Yeah, so they're going to internalize some of those things and still have to unlearn them. It's the same reason why we have, like, not to compare, you know, where, like, sometimes police violence against black people happens by black officers as well. Right, because black officers, just like white officers, are taught to racially profile. Right. It's the reason why we still have 
colorism issues on Potomac. It's the same, like, black people are not immune from anti-black racism. It's just that, and not saying that that's what this is, it's just that, it's just, it's complicated. Right. And everybody, like, brought up in America, especially in these systems, which are doubly inundated with that racism, are going to internalize it. And it takes time and growth and introspection and education to undo that. Right. And my thing is like, what I, at least from what I've seen of Jackie talking about the, the issue recently in terms of the last year and especially in terms of this season, like I, I've not seen her use that rhetoric. Right. What I've seen is her say what I've seen a lot of, you know, people knowledgeable about this issue say, which is that, I need to, as a doctor, equip my black female patients who are who are expecting with knowledge to where when they can go into a situation, they have the power to know, to demand what they need. Right. And to know what a symptom feels like, what to know what, feel, what it is correct feeling, what is not correct feeling, correct. and to equip them in the way to, to – defend themselves and also like have like having somebody there as well to also defend on their behalf Correct. in certain regards. That's the, that's the proper protocol. I would say that I, at least I know from hearing about this stuff to, to combat this issue, you know, and I don't, I have not heard Jackie make comments in recent history where it makes it, where it blames the, the, the black person in, in the situation. Right. And so, I, w- I would love to give be- Jackie the benefit of the doubt and say that she evolved on the issue and she learned more and she combated some of the stigmas or, or the um, the environment that was placed on her as a doctor and, and right. growing up. Because part of the thing that she says in the clip that's going viral is her being like, we need to make sure that you're not just faking it so you can get out of work or and and to me like that's something that gets instilled in doctors in medical school like it's it's that's that's something that's like that's not something that you just you know maybe i mean it's not even that it's not even just medical school right like everybody thinks that when a kid is sick and doesn't want to go to school what is the first assumption that a parent makes that they're faking that they're faking like nobody believes someone when they speak up when they self advocate whether that person is black whether that person is a child whether that person is a woman whether that person is queer people that advocate for themselves are disbelieved and the further marginalized they are the more they are disbelieved right which is why Black women, as one of the most marginalized communities in this nation, are at under such attack under this. You know, like why, be, why they are like I think three times more likely to die yep. during childbirth, like, and even higher rates of complications and like all of these things because they are just not believed and. I don't I don't know how we fix that other than we empower people to speak out against gaslighting, medical gaslighting. We empower people to make sure that they have an ally to stand up for them when they can't do so themselves. When we make sure that people are informed about their bodies 
and how things should function and when to when to say something when something is going wrong. Yeah. Like I feel like Jackie today is doing everything she can to educate people on that. And not that that excuses previous viewpoints, but it makes me believe that today she's doing what she can to undo anything she may have done in the past. Right. And I think, well, maybe we'll get into it if the discussion, like, trends further in terms of what's going on online i think it's also sort of like people have pointed out well jackie also has like when you look at the earlier seasons of mary de Mezin, how she talked about obesity and some of the the ways in which she sort of talked about that again that's another thing i would say is maybe partly jackie but also partly think the medical it's the medical community i was literally told by a doctor that my chronic migraines that i've had since i was four or five years old yeah when I was a skinny little tiny thing was because I was overweight. And you're like, no, I lit like, like I have a memory. Like I've literally, like I used to like thrash in pain as a four year old. I would be convulsing in pain. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's not because I'm fat. I am fat. I'm, I'm okay with that word. Like, there's nothing wrong with that word. It's a neutral word. Everyone has fat. Like, number one, stop weaponizing that. There's plenty of people who are perfectly healthy, and the only thing that is quote-unquote wrong with them is that they have more weight than you think is okay. Right. So let's stop going there directly. Like, science today tells us that weight is not an actual indicator of health. The medical community needs to get caught up on that. Sure. And my, but yeah, so I want to see what the dialogue goes further with this and, and how Jackie handles it. Cause you know, right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. Um, I did the, 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 I also thought the, the zoom call with Kamala was really good. I, I was so happy sort of like getting them using the platform of Mary to medicine to like get information out about like stuff the administration's doing. I thought right. that was a great way to like, well, you know, look, if you're going to need to get a message to black women. That's the place to do it. Like, use a show that targets black women as their demographic, like there's their demographic right? Like, they're not going to, they're not going to do this shit for fucking Beverly Hills. Sure. That's, I mean, that's not who watches. I mean, sure, there's probably plenty of black women who watch. Beverly Hills, but the message is lost on the vast majority of people watching Beverly Beverly Hills, as opposed to Married to Medicine, Atlanta, Potomac. Those are franchises within Bravo that are focused on black women. Yeah. I also love there was a quick moment with Heavenly where she's like, because Jackie talking about being nervous, Heavenly goes, I mean, she could be the president. That can happen any day now. And Jackie goes, I know with Right. I'm like, <laughs> like I don't want to say that that Joe is old, but. <laughs> the, right. Yeah. The whole, the, the situation <laughs> is essentially what Jackie says. Um, so they uh, head out on to, br- to a brunch at the Kendall Jackson Vineyard, which is the company that Toya is working with. And Toya already tells like Sweet Tea and Alicia in the room, like what happened with like the quad stuff because they weren't there. Um so, oh my God, we talked about Phaedra's fashions and sort of like out outdoing everyone. This fucking Fendi fur shawl that she had—it is so much. It's way too much. Um, 
I wish there had been like some contrast, you know, yeah. like if she had maybe, you know, the blue that is in the Fendi logo, if that had been the color of her shirt, instead of it being a white fur with white shirt and white pants, like, come on. Yeah. And that blue wasn't, it was, it was it, I didn't like it. Um, Not to mention the fact that they're drinking wine. Yeah. Like, don't I wear would, white. I would be constantly paranoid of getting red wine on that. Yeah. Jackie joins them after her call, and she talks about how great it was. Toya going, well, Jackie, when you invite us to the White House, I'd love to go with you. And Heavenly goes, I know how to act. <laughs> I know how to act in the White House. Just know that. And they make fun of the fact that she says act instead of act. Um, uh, which it did play. I mean, I was kind of like, ooh, this like sort of Simone talking a lot about like dialect i was like okay this is interesting but simone also uses the same dialect so i mean i guess that's she like, does i just i just mm, I, mm. again when in this in this dialogue like what we were talking about with jackie it's right. like well it's just like these are the these it's aave yeah like Stop. <laughs> yeah, just stop. <laughs> just stop. Um, Toya uh, tries uh, to pay att- have them pay attention to, like, the pairings of the food when they're like, yeah, so, like, you're going to want to drink this wine with, like, this meat. And Simone just turns to the waiter and goes, I'm going to have a little more rosé, not caring whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. She's like, wine is wine. I'm like... I mean, I lo- I'm in- I get interested about like food and and alcohol pairings, but like I don't mm. See, I don't really I can't. Here's the thing: I don't have the gene or whatever to like get notes in wine, like for the most part. I probably do, but that just means whether I like the thing or not, whether or not yeah. I pair it with something else, because. I will drink a Dr Pepper with anything, mm-hmm. and Dr Pepper probably pairs more with you know like well it's got 21 uh flavors or whatever right right or 23 23 um but it it probably pairs better with things like beef and pork and you know darker meats right i need a soda sommelier <laughs> i'll i'll drink it with like fish i don't think that matters sure you know so i mean I feel like it's probably the same with wine. I will drink a red wine with anything. It right. just needs to be sweet. Yeah. Um, t- Heavenly does a toast to every. Or, well, she does a toast specifically for a sweet tea. She's like, she's bearing all our issues in the fields of Sonoma. <laughs> like, and so Heavenly's like, I think Heavenly apologizes again to her, and they're kind of warming to each other. Sweet tea's glad they're moving on. I will say, I liked Sweet Tea's new confessional look here. Yeah. That, that white with. The, I was like, okay, like you. She got a little bit more Greg's money. Yeah. That, now that they're that, married. So that was when the check cleared. Great. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, Toya decides she's bringing Phaedra to her meeting with the um, um, the wine people. And basically like, you know, I respect Phaedra as a businesswoman. And who wouldn't want a lawyer to be sitting next to you in these discussions? And I actually thought Toya handled herself well in the business meeting. Like you could tell there was like a – she didn't feel like out of place. in some in like where you see sometimes with like housewives and stuff like that right. where it's like – Okay, you're, you know, come on. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, this is no knock on Toya, but I kind of would have expected her to be a little bit more bumbling in this situation. But I was really impressed with, like, how she showed up and she knew what the fuck she was doing. Yeah. And she knew, it's like, she felt okay, prepared. this is not, this is not the same woman from a couple years ago who was hot, house hopping. Yeah. And was doing all of this other stuff and, like, what, hiring a fucking... Did she have a camel at a party or something? 
or a donkey or some animal at a party. Um, uh, maybe. Like last year or the year before? That sounds so familiar, but I can't, like, like I can't. That sounds, but I mean, here's the thing. It sounds like something Toya would do. But, it, but you know what I mean? She doesn't. She doesn't typically give off the air of someone who has this business savvy. And knows what the fuck she's doing. Right. And it's just, it's nice to see this other side of her that we haven't gotten a chance to see before. Yeah. Um, And I really hope we get more of this because it's impressive. It's nice to see someone who's like, no, I'm going to take charge and I'm going to have a career that's my own. And it's, I'm going to have my own income and my own thing that I'm empowering myself with. and it, you know, that's just, it's really nice. And also it's, it's kind of cool because it means that Eugene doesn't have to do these overnight shifts anymore where, you know, he was taking all this time away right. from being with the family, having to work overtime, you know, at other hospitals, even during the pandemic, you know, to bring in the money that they needed. Yeah. And so as they're having this meeting, uh, Toy and Phaedra, uh, the rest of them are getting together. And Sweet Tea pulls out flask for everyone. She's like, I got brown. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. Um, and then I love Heavenly Inner Confessional saying, look, I love Sweet Tea. I'm not holding Ill, Ill feelings towards Sweet Tea. I like her little dingy ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Heavenly. Um, we go back over to Atlanta and the guys are getting together to do like a guy's night where they're playing like virtual sports or whatever at this mm-hmm. like, um this establishment um <laughs> this establishment yeah it's it, it's one of those just like eat drink and you know whatever um eugene uh so, so we're t- they eugene's talking to uh kemma who is the husband of alicia and so we're seeming to get a little more of their stuff because eugene's asking like how do you feel like you know with your wife being in california like without the kids and he talks about like it's the first night where i've had like, you know first time where i've really had like the kids to myself without her there etc and so it's like a big adjustment. It feels like we're going to get a lot of their stuff the second half of the season, it seems. Because I was like, oh, he's just kind of like non-existent. Well, I mean, it was kind of a jam-packed. First half, yeah. yeah. Like, we we were doing all the stuff at the wedding. And we were doing all the stuff with Quad coming in. And all of that stuff. And we're really, now that Quad is kind of seemingly left. And we can really kind of focus more on other things that are happening uh, there's more space for alicia to come in and really be integrated into the group yeah um as after as Kemma is talking about this we cut the like confessionals of like heavenly and toya talking about how their men like were able to sort of balance like still being doctors and like still doing stuff with the kids and like taking care of them and when they needed to um cecil tells this story about how simone used to babysit other people's kids but she would still be on call so literally she would sometimes have to leave and then cecil would just be stuck with like all these people's kids absolutely not he literally goes the only reason simone's shit wasn't packed up was because i was too busy with those kids and simone's laughing i'm like simone you did him dirty <laughs> i'm sorry that's fucked up and all he did was have a lady friend that they wasn't even doing nothing yeah <laughs> simone <laughs> there's some give and take yeah um eugene uh tells them all what toya had told him about like the quad stuff and she, he's like yeah they were like you know well you can go home you know basically <laughs> I didn't love this. So they cut to Greg's confessional with Sweet Tea and Greg's talking about it. She's like, he's like, I don't want to rip somebody's friend. Sorry. I had to do it. I don't want to rip somebody's friend group away from them. But at the same time, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I didn't like him celebrating this. He, he just needed to sit the fuck 
down and shut the fuck up about this. Yeah, because he's like, I don't want Sweet Tea to be chummy, you know, because I, just, you know, I just don't think that I can handle it in terms. And it's like, you just don't want her to get directly from Quad how things really were behind closed doors, or to have that brought up on TV again. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because I guarantee you, that's the thing. Like when we started getting these allegations of what Greg was doing. That's then reflective back on Greg, right? right? I can guarantee you he faced some professional stuff. 1,000%. From the accusations of abuse. Yeah. There's no way he didn't. You know, there's a reason that Simone and Heavenly and Jackie and Contessa never really got into the muckety muck. Right. Like, they will throw shade all day every day. But they don't really get down and dirty like everybody else because there are consequences. Yeah. Because, again, this show is around their professional lives, not just being housewives. Yeah. There's there's a difference. Uh, the ladies go out to dinner. Um, they all end up starting to talk about sort of like how they're working on their marriages separately. Um, <laughs> heavily at one point adds and goes, you know, for me, sometimes I've said some things that I shouldn't have said. And sometimes you can't take it back. And I love Paige and Russell going, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like understatement of the century for Heavenly. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but then Alicia starts to talk more about like her husband. She's like, you know, we grew up very differently as a Nigerian, you know, because Kem is a Nigerian. They were used to having the helpers and the drivers and the, you know, the cooks and the cleaners. And she talks about that when she was, she was raised by a single mom. So she was very independent naturally when she was growing up to where right. she's having to now learn how to be more submissive in certain regards, which also the word submissive always has such a negative context. That always triggers me. Yeah. Like, mm-mm. I, get, I don't mm-mm. think she means like, so I don't think, I don't get the vibe that like Kema even wants her to be submissive, but to like take a back seat sometimes in certain regards. Mm-mm. I don't like that neither. Well, Mm-mm. well, well, or to, well, it depends ain't on neither, the, Ain't neither one of them should be in the backseat. Sure. But like, she talks about like, you know, you know, I would be the person that, you know, take out the hammer and the screwdriver and like do all the hard stuff. And then I'd be like, you're not a man. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Like, no, that's a problem. Right. Right. But that's, here's the, it's again, this is all about like gender to a certain extent right. and, and about sort of like roles. I think you should have equal if if you're able to, if you're those type of people, you should have an equal level of sort of like contribution and like what you're doing necessarily. And it shouldn't, society shouldn't be like, you have to do this and you have to do the exact opposite. It's like, there's not like. Right. Like I'm fine. I'm all for like the traditional tra- gender roles. If that's what you adamantly want out of life. Right. But like you should be able to take those different facets and take what you want and leave the rest. Right. Like, neither one of us fit into traditional gender roles. I'm not even a traditional gender. <laughs> but, like, y- you know you know what I mean? Like, you don't... I'm going to be the one to fix something around the house, not you. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's just... Because I grew up with with both of my parents being very actively, let's fix it. Let's, you know, right. do the thing that's like my grandfather was an engineer. My dad is a woodworker. Like my mom is someone who just like 
doesn't put up with things being broke for longer than 3.2 seconds. So I grew up with you fix it and you fix it now. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. So Simone says in her confessional, when I see Alicia and Kemma together, Alicia just smiles at whatever he's saying and doesn't say much. And they show like a like flashback clip to the, I think it was uh, Sweet Tea's um, uh, marriage party, or the cowgirl thing mm-hmm. or whatever. And she's like trying to distance herself from like the friend group and like talk to Kemma. And Simone goes, when he's not around, she's very opinionated. So I know when he is around, that's an act. She's putting on for the people. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I, again, I think we're going to see more of Alicia. It seems like she gets more argumentative and in stuff. That's good because she seems very docile now. Right. And so if Simone's picking up on that, I wonder, like, because I haven't seen that. So, I I mean, I want to see, you know, how that progresses. Yeah. Um, And then, oh, my God, they end the episode with Toya random, because they're all just talking about relationships. Toya then just randomly goes, Phaedra, where the hell is Dr. O? Because we haven't seen her fucking doctor boyfriend. And then Phaedra just goes, we broke up. But I have a new doctor. I can't believe that, like, I knew she, like, le- I didn't realize it was mid-season this happens. This is, ho- there is no doctor. There's none. I still don't know that she's seeing anybody at this point. I honestly, like. I will not believe it till he shows up with his face. Yeah, and I need to see your um, medical not that license. I, not that I care, though, honestly. I kind of do. <laughs> I, I do and don't like like I don't because Phaedra of what Phaedra's bringing, but I again it's like there is a like there is sort of a regular like there is a baseline to the show and like if you're not Look, filling it like Quad was here for two and a half seasons without being married to medicine but at least quad started that way like like think sure. with, look at like Vanderpump Rules everyone started as a surfer or worked somewhere in the restaurant. Right, that's even, fair. You know, as much as Lala was like perfect for reality TV and brought in, even she was a hostess for a little bit. Right. So you have to like, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I get it. But but she is she is a mortician. And that's that's <laughs> that's just, a kind of doctor. Like maybe. It, it's not necessarily a doctor, but it is medicine adjacent. Right. Because they still deal with. The body, the human body, and she has to know certain amounts of anatomy. And does she have a doctorate for her legal? Uh, I don't know. She might because uh, honestly, I think at this point they might just extend actually the, extend I, the, the the realms of it. Actually, no. You know, she doesn't because if she did, she would insist on being called Doctor Phaedra Park. That's true. She would be exactly like Doctor Whitney. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that was Married to Medicine for this week. Uh, yeah, excited to see what the second half of the season holds. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. We got Hoville, we got Ultimate Girls Trip, we got Survivor, and we have Made to Medicine. What you thinking, babe? Um, I'll start with my bottom. I'll get. I'm going to give it to Shake on uh, House of Villains, who I just yeah. I can't. I've never gotten behind. Like that's the one sort of like low point from House of Villains is I've never seen the appeal of Shake. Yeah. And like again, like I mentioned, like when he gets power, he's fucking obnoxious. Um, like the second half of the episode was very much centered around him because he was the swing vote. And that also led to just being like, okay, like, you know, I, I, there were other elements that I would have loved to see instead of that. There's nothing compelling about him. No, not particularly. And also he's not like the best strategist. at all. So it's like, there's not even that element. Um, yeah. So that would be my bottom, my top, I'm going to give it to, 
everyone's new favorite uh, over on Ultimate Girl Trip, and that's Kristen Takeman. Mm-hmm. I again, I always liked her. I, I remember really liking her, and I'm glad to see her presence on this show. I think she adds a. She's kind of a straight man in many regards in terms of the dynamic of all things, and like is all can also be very funny and just sort of like I really have enjoyed everything that she's brought and. Like you said, if it can lead to something like further down the line, even for like a Beverly Hills or an OC or whatever, like good for her because I think she's earning it. Like I think I love I love some of these castings on like girls trips where we discover people that we haven't, you know, we've not really thought about for a long time or or maybe didn't even have the brightest memories of, but like have really become gems in certain ways. I think Taylor did mm-hmm. that on, on yeah. the girl's trip too. Like, I think there, I, I think she has a great quality about her that makes her a really good housewife and would love to see more from her. Absolutely agree. What about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? I'm going to start with my bottom and that's quad. Oh, not okay. Not because I dislike her. Not because I don't think that she should be on married to medicine. I think she, she should. I think she did herself a disservice on this episode and the last one. Yeah. Because she was not able. I don't even think able. She was not willing to directly address her problems. And she would only talk in these vague, fuzzy terms. That give you nothing to really latch on to. Right. Like it gives you no meat. It gives you nothing. You can't air grievances in terms of you know, vague overarching ideas. It has to be specifics. You like quad needed to go in there and go from the moment I exposed the abuse that I endured at the hands of Gregory, you should have been on my side. Yeah. And none of you were, I did not feel that support. And that is why the next season or the next year when I got into the sister circle, why I felt so ingratiated with them because they supported me in a way that I was not feeling from you. Right. And that's what started the divide in this group. I would love to be able to get back there with you girls, but I, I can't get that unless I hear from you that you regret not supporting me. Yeah. If she had laid it out like that, and I know she's capable of, because she is very well, she is very good at speaking her mind and laying things out clearly and plainly. Very good at it. She chose not to do that. And I don't know why. Yeah. She did herself a disservice. Like that, that's, that's all that there is to it. No, you're totally right. Um, and if she had, if she had directly challenged that, then they could have gotten somewhere, but she wouldn't. So they couldn't get anywhere but her going home. Right. Um. My top for the week is going to go to Jake on Survivor. Mm. He didn't win. <laughs> I get that. I do think that D's win was ultimately deserved, but. I think that Jake told the most compelling story of the season. Um, He is the person that I rallied behind. He's the person that no matter how many times he was on the bottom of a vote, 
no no matter how many times he was getting votes thrown his way at a tribal, I was rooting for him to stay. I wanted him to be there, not just because he was good to look at. <laughs> didn't hurt. Um, didn't hurt. Um, it definitely helped. But I do believe that he had an emotionally compelling story that drew viewers in and made people root for him in a way that nobody else on the cast really had. Yeah. Um, and that is something you can only get by being genuine. At the end of the day, I do believe he was probably the most genuine person on the cast this season. Um, and Emily probably was second and probably should have won the season. All things said and done. But, um, if Emily didn't win, I'm glad that it was D. Um, but yeah, Jake is my top performer of the week of the season. I just like a pretty person to look at. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of a gay and his envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening and check us out on our social media at a gay and his envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.